Blog Talk Radio. All right, it's 6 o'clock. It is Wednesday afternoon, and we are set to get started. Uh, we're going to jump out to our uh, normal come-up music real quick, and we're going to get this thing loaded up. Our Richie will be joining us in just a few seconds. Uh, he had to take care of some things again over at 4D, uh, who remained, as we said earlier on uh, Monday, undefeated. Um we are about to kick it off. Let's uh, hit it up right now with some CBS College football theme. We're going to get you guys in the flow of things. And we're back and we're ready to get this thing going at 6.02. We've got three straight hours. I'll just give you a little bit of rundown for tonight at 6.30. we got David Shelton joining in. Uh, he writes for the Post and Courier as a low country legend. Guy's been around covers about everything in the sports world here in the low country and beyond. Uh, at 7 o'clock, we're going to head over to Berkeley High School and the head stag, the principal, Mr. Steele himself. He's actually a grad of Somerville High. Uh, Somerville will be playing Berkeley High School in that kind of cross-county, uh, down 17, if you want to call it, uh, rivalry game. Uh, so uh, Principal Steele will be joining us at 7 o'clock. At 7.30, Battle of the Sister Schools, the head bull shark, Joe Call, joining us. Uh, Oceanside is sitting at 5-0. and They went unscathed in the region. Um, they have are now the locked up the number one seed in the overall in the low country uh, in the lower state uh, for uh, South Carolina three A ball. So uh, we'll be getting a coach call. He'll be joining us at seven thirty. Uh, they'll be taking on sister school, um, Gray Collegiate on Friday night. That game will be played uh, at the Citadel, which has been the home field for the Sharks this season, uh, as well as into the playoffs. Uh, sister school, Great Collegiate Academy, is also undefeated. Uh, they won their region. Uh, I know they're a one seed. I don't know if they're the overall seed. That may be Abbeville. However, uh, Great Collegiate comes in ranked number two in the state of South Carolina for a 2A ball. Uh, as of now, Oceanside has a 2 to nothing streak going. Uh, they've won the last two, beating Great Collegiate. Uh, both games are very close. Two years ago, that game was played in um, – in South Carolina State Stadium there in Orangeburg, Oceanside comes out with a two-point victory. 
last year, I believe, if I can recall correctly, something like a 49 uh, to 42 victory for Oceanside. Uh, there was a, a couple of plays that kind of swung it. Uh, Keegan Williams had returned a touch uh, kickoff for a touchdown, uh, driving down the field a little bit to go, uh, rising well, current junior. Uh, Carson Arnold on Oceanside tips a pass across the middle, intercepts it, holds on for the victory. So the two sister schools have uh, had a lot to play for. Usually there's a big, nice pinnacle trophy that's in the um, in, in trophy case over at Oceanside. But, uh, you know, I, I, the Coach Holmes and Gray Collegiate, they have a really good team this year. Uh, they've been building and building that thing. They did lose, you know, star quarterback Hunter Helms, who's now, oh, by the way, he's already thrown a couple t- touchdown passes up for Clemson. But uh, 8 o'clock, uh, Coach Adam Holmes will be calling in uh, from Columbia. We're going to meet him halfway and have him come on in and talk about the big game on Friday night. As you heard, uh, Kevin Billa doing some of those uh, for Channel 5 said on Monday night uh, that the Oceanside Gray game was definitely one they were going to be at uh, and have a crew. is going to be one of the top games in the area this, uh, this coming Friday night. Uh, as we did talk about already, Somerville and Berkeley be playing in that rival. Uh, Fort Dorchester will be playing at Wando. Um, and then, uh, so that's kind of the, some of the bigger matchups, uh, there are some other teams playing, um, doesn't seem to be a whole lot going on as far as, uh, uh any playoff, um, seedings and whatnot on Friday night. Uh, finally at eight thirty, we'll head down to low country, uh, and what we call the really low country down in Beaufort, uh, Hilton Head area with, uh, local sports. We're going to be catching up, um, with our good buddy down there and see what's going on because there's just so many things you've been here. We've been hearing lately about this team is, is out and this team's not playing. And, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's going to be a challenge trying to catch up with every, with everything going on. You know, we've, we've heard for several teams, uh, uh, that there was a team that wasn't even going to be playing anymore, even though they had, um, I believe it was a two seed in the playoffs in Hilton head. So we'll, uh, Hopefully he'll have the answers to those questions and a little bit more. I know Buford's the one seed down there, and they've been rolling pretty hard. I know May River and 4A. Uh, looks like May River might be playing uh, North Augusta. We'll see uh, how that shakes out. Because there's also the two um, at-large bids in 4A in, in the uh, lower state portion. So uh, hopefully our main man down with local sports can uh, get us all sorted out there. So that's how we're going to close it out at the 830 hour. Like I said, we got we – got, uh, you know, action-packed series. I'm just trying to go through to make sure we didn't leave any details out, but I think we got it all straight. So uh, when Richie's done over our practice at 40, he'll be joining us again, 6.30, David Shelton, 7 o'clock, Principal Steele, 7.30, Joe Call, 8 o'clock, Adam Holmes, 8.30, local sports. Now we're moving on to, uh, we talked a little bit about Friday night, and that's definitely kind of David Shelton's thing. We're going to let him uh, discuss a little bit more. Um, couple of local area things and i saw there were some local area schools that won some state championships i saw um that oceanside had won a uh, young lady had won um one of the individual state titles in swimming the school won i believe it was a uh, second or so or third overall uh, i believe i saw philip simmons uh place or one uh, there were some other kids run the low country that won some individuals and things like that uh we got state uh girl volleyball uh playoffs going on and uh, Dave's, I'm sure Dave's been keeping up with that. I've been trying, trying to keep up with the Twitter noise and, and all the tweets and follows and, and retweets. And I know David's been doing a great job about that. So we'll let him keep catch up everybody on all that. And we'll, uh, we'll move on to the matchups this coming Saturday um, in, in college football. You know, and, and 
we can actually start out on Thursday night. Thursday night we got a couple. We got two games actually. We got Colorado State at Fresno State at ten. Buys up on Thursday night. There's no high school games going on. You can definitely check that out on CBS uh, on part of that CBS network. Uh, at the 7:30 game in South Alabama at Georgia Southern. If you're a Coastal fan or in the state of South Carolina, you saw Coastal. I mean Georgia Southern play last weekend. Um, I was a little worried there. Coastal had the unbeaten and, and nationally ranked record, and it was 14-14 in the third quarter. I'm starting to get concerned, mainly because you know Coastal was lacking their um, starting quarterback, which they found just prior to the game start. Minnesota, who just got blown out uh, by Michigan, is at Maryland on Friday night, 7:30 game on ESPN. Nine o'clock on Friday night, ESPN two. Not really sure why we have all these Friday night games. Perhaps because there aren't as many. Uh, well, all fifty states we know for sure aren't playing football on Fridays. We got East Carolina at Tulsa at nine p.m. Hawaii at Wyoming at nine forty-five p.m. And those are all on Friday night. Number nineteen, Marshall at Florida International has been postponed. All right, rolling on to Big Halloween Trick or Treat Day. Who will be tricking and who will be treating? We got Boston College at number one, Clemson at noon. Man, Clemson just just keeps getting these noon games. I think part of it is is who they're playing. Um, number five, Georgia at Kentucky, also at noon. Memphis is taking on number seven, Cincinnati at noon. Michigan State at Michigan. Number 13th ranked Michigan, 12 p.m. on Fox. That's rough. Those guys are playing, you know, for Michigan, Michigan State, big time state rivalry, big time uh, Big Ten game, uh, interstate civil war, so to speak, and have to play at 12 p.m. That's 12 p.m. Eastern, so 11 o'clock kickoff for those guys. That's pretty rough, and, and one of those things that <laughs> if I was an AD or, or whatever, I would I would be concerned. All right, keep rolling on. We're gonna go to the Big 12, which they're playing football now. We got Kansas State. At West Virginia, that game's at noon. Kansas State ranked 16. Head back to our Coastal Carolina Chanticleers, are are the second school in the state of South Carolina that's ranked in the top 25. Coastal's number 20. They're at Georgia State. Let's see. We're going to scroll on down here and keep keep the flow going. We have number 23, Iowa State. Big 12 matchup taking on. Uh, that will be at Kansas. Man, Kansas is just really bad this year. I don't know what uh, Coach Miles to get this going, but right now it's pretty rough. We got UTSA, Florida Atlantic at twelve. All these games, are, there are a ton of games at twelve. We still going. We got Purdue at Illinois, your Wake Forest at Syracuse. All these games at noon. We start rolling to two o'clock games. We got Central Florida, Houston. Three o'clock, we got Rice at Southern Miss, Troy, Arkansas State. Number four, Notre Dame undefeated at Georgia Tech. You know, I just still not a Notre Dame believer. They can keep winning and keep the off the ranking, but until they can beat the last of Clemson, I'm just not believing it and I'm not buying it. Let's see. We keep on rolling. We got number 17, Indiana. Huge upset win over Penn State. They're going over to Rutgers, who also won their first game. TCU at Baylor at 330. LSU at Auburn. That's the CBS 330 game. We got Northwestern at Iowa 330. Texas at number six, Oklahoma State. 4 o'clock on Fox. Ole Miss and Vanderbilt at 4, Appalachian State, and Louisiana Monroe at 4, Virginia Tech and Louisville. That game is at 4 o'clock. 
Uh, number 25, Boise State. I didn't see those guys slip into the rankings. I was kind of wondering where they were going to go. Uh, Boise State's at Air Force at 6 o'clock. Mississippi State's traveling to number two, Alabama, at 7 p.m. Oof, that offense at Mississippi State just hasn't been going there. They, they kind of uh, shot all their missiles. We'll, we'll keep it PG and say they shot all their missiles on the first game against LSU because they haven't done anything on offense since then. Charlotte at Duke at 7 o'clock. Number three, Ohio State at number 18, Penn State. So they dropped down to 18 from, I believe, they were eight the week before. Arkansas is at number eight, Texas A&M at 730. Missouri is at number 10, Florida at 730. We got Navy at number 22, SMU at 730. Number 15, North Carolina at Virginia at eight. Man, I, I – I wanted to drink the Kool-Aid for North Carolina, and I still want to support them. I think this might be one of those games where we'll see, you know, do they play down or can they, you know, they just played really down to Florida State. It's almost like they closed their eyes and pretended it was 1998 all over again. Number 24, Oklahoma's at Texas Tech. That game's at 8 o'clock. Louisiana, Texas State. Uh, finally, the last ranked team to play is Western Kentucky at BYU at 10:15. I watched some of that BYU game the other night. <laughs> you know, it just seemed like every time I, I looked, they were striking up the band and kicking an extra point. It was pretty exciting to see. So, uh, I'm sure these guys are going to keep it rolling this week. I just don't see anybody. That's, you know, it's going to be, you know, if you like defense, it's going to be very bad football for you. Um, let's see. All right. Well, I tell you what. It's, 613 so what i'm gonna do is i'm gonna take a quick break uh grab a bottle of water we're gonna check in and see if uh our boy's still over there at um uh, checking in at the fort i know he had to stop in for practice he said it didn't think it was gonna take too long he had some things to work on some notes to gather and things to check on before uh big friday night you know thursday night you got jv games and uh friday night Obviously, it's a big matchup with fort over at wando so we'll take a quick break and we'll get back in just a minute
All right, we're back. Uh, the music has stopped. I had to go grab another uh, glass of water and get the throat wet. Uh, like I said, I'm just trying to cover these things and, and get through this uh, while we're waiting on our guests to show up. And, and Richie's going to join us, like I said, as soon as he gets done over at the fort. But, uh, you know, what an exciting night for him. Uh, I did talk to Rich a little bit after the game was over last night. Congrats to the Dodgers fans. I know he's been a Dodgers fan. And, you know, it's crazy. Uh, I've had – a Cubs win and several um, Red Sox wins, World Series wins before he got to see another Dodgers win. I think the last one I think I saw was 32 years ago or something like that. So that must have been around, oh boy, uh, about 1986, 87, 88, somewhere around there. Anyway, my math is right, it's probably not. Um, but I do remember some of those Dodgers teams. I remember the Tommy Lasorda and the Oral Hershiser and those guys. Um, but, you know, I, I, the guy – I wanted to see was it was Clayton Kershaw. This guy was just magnificent with Cy Young after Cy Young. He's just done it on the mound over and over again, year after year after year. And and when you started looking at his stats, I saw something where they were just started the playoffs this year. And I'm looking at the stats, and you know it just seemed like you know during the regular season he had this really low 2.1, 2. Point whatever you know ERA, and then you got to the um, regionals or, or or the pennant competitions, the pennant rounds, and it doubled to the fours. And then when you looked in the World Series rounds, he was like in the sixth or the eighth ERA. So it just almost seemed like, you know, he's such a dominant pitcher, maybe he ran out of gas. Um, so congrats to him. Uh, me and Mookie, uh, you know, he hit the two, the, the long balls when he needed it. One, surely, to me, that's actually kind of when I tuned in last night. I uh, tuned in and saw that Mookie put that one out to left center field. And to me, that kind of almost seemed like when you looked over at the dugout for uh, Tampa Bay guys, you saw the grabbing of the brim of the hats and, you know, kind of looking at the turf and looking down. It almost felt like it was a little bit over then. But um, hats off to the Dodgers. Now, I have no idea what they have coming back. I I have not been as, as on my my teams this year in baseball like I usually have. It just you know, I just didn't seem as, as almost as fun, uh, so to speak, just because of um I you know, without the crowds it just seemed different to me. Uh it just oof. You know, I I, I missed it. I missed the home parks, you know, playing every game in a simulated bubble fake thing and Texas or, or excuse me in uh, Florida and then the World Series in Texas it just uh it didn't do it for me not at all you know I want to see Fenway Park I want to see you know uh Wrigley Field I want to see the Dodgers um park and forgive me for not knowing that it's Dodger Field or or what they call it there but you know I mean I just I don't want to see somebody playing I never got into basketball this year um depending on who's in the playoffs or what player, because I'm not really a basketball team person. Um, there are a couple players that I like. You know, I, I'll kind of get into it, but uh, I'm not getting into it where there was, you know, the, the cardboard people and the stands and piped in music, just like some of the NFL games. Or and I just – it's too fake to me. Sorry. I just can't get into it. But um, anyway, moving on. <clears throat> so what uh, – I was actually surprised. Uh, if you were on the show and you were listening to Rich and I last week, uh, we put on a poll about uh, the start of the football season for high school. And we put it out there. We, did you like the start in September was a little bit cooler weather? Uh, we called it the Labor Day. Are you enjoying this Labor Day uh, after Labor Day start? Do you want it prior to Labor Day start? 
or do you like it later than those times? Like this year, I believe the first game was on September 25th. Um, surprisingly, because you know, those in our circles, we felt like I uh, did want, uh, did enjoy the later start. But uh, according to the poll, uh, 57% of the people were very, very clear in that they wanted to actually start it earlier. They didn't mind the August start. So uh, I was very surprised by that response for sure. Now, I do want to give out an announcement for those who are listening, for the uh, senior guys. Um, if you are interested in playing, if you are a senior and you're interested in playing in that senior bowl, you need to jump, jump, jump right on to the Twitter page for us for uh, High School Blitz because and, and go ahead and click that little bell so you can get those notifications because and very soon you're going to be asked to re- upload your film. So uh, as soon as you get that film up and get that evaluation, then you'll be able to uh, hopefully get a spot on that senior bowl. Right now it looks like the game's going to be played January 2nd over at Woodland High School. It's a nice turf field. He's got some pretty cool coach. Uh, Cyber's got some pretty good facilities over there. Uh, so I just want to make sure we put that announcement back out. Uh, another announcement, uh, Coach uh, Watson asked us to, to tweet and retweet this out. If you're an unsigned senior or a prep school kid, uh, if you want to have a shot to get a little recruiting, uh, get seen, there's a, a chance for you to do that on Sunday, December 6th from 12 to 5 p.m. at Mount Pisgah Christian School, 9825 Brum, Brumbelow, B-R-U-M-B-E-L-O-W Road, and that's in Johns Creek, Georgia. It's kind of up near uh, University of Georgia. Uh, of course, we retweeted that out and put it on the um, on the Twitter page there. So basically, uh, what it is is presented by Dash Performance and Coach Watson. Coach Kenyatta's setting up. Uh, he says uh, the event will be supported by several media outlets. It'll be a live stream going to the Chad Simmons and the 24/7 guys and other type guys. Some of the major recruiting services. So if you are an unsigned senior. If you're a prep school guy, you're looking for another chance to get some exposure. Maybe you didn't have a high school season this year. Maybe it was cut short. Maybe uh, you guys only had a couple games to play and then you had uh, didn't make the playoffs. Here's a chance for you to get some exposure. Here's a chance for you to get seen. All right. Again, uh, go over to the Twitter page at SO Sports Central. Uh, Coach Watson is uh, at the real KY. And you'll see that uh, banner that we just put out. Again, that date for that combine is Sunday, December 6th, uh, 12 to 5. As you may have seen, the uh, Junior Bowl has been cranking up. The Elite 88 guys uh, have been kind of getting ready. Uh, I've seen a lot of stuff on Twitter. They've been putting their, their information out there. Um, we've seen some of the notifications come through. Man, we I've seen so many guys on this team. There's some that are toting zero offers or some that are – kind of, you know, um, hearing from this school, hearing from that school, and there are so many that have multiple D1 offers and some of the biggest schools in the land. That game right now is scheduled to be played, well, it's actually, it is scheduled to be uh, played December 19th up in Columbia. That's a Saturday. The kids will get together and practice on Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. Prior to the game, that is East versus West. It's a little bit different, but kind of close to the up, kind of the Mysterious upper state versus lower state in South Carolina. Um, but that will be played December 19th. Um, it is scheduled to be played at River Bluff High School, which is kind of over by Lexington in that Lexington, uh, River Bluff, Dutch Fork area. It's a very nice facility. I've been up there a bunch of times. Great turf, great field, 
great press boxes, locker rooms. It's very well kept. The, the whole facilities, when you look at it, I've, I've seen uh, some Division two schools that don't have those type facilities. I mean, it is just it is a beautiful, beautiful field um, and stadium to play in. It's easy to get, pretty easy to get in and out as well, but um should be a fun night to get these juniors. You know, some of that recognition and some of the love that they need because, you know, like I said, while there are a ton of them that do have offers, there are a ton of kids right now that, that still don't. And as a junior, you know, some of these guys will be just finishing up, you know, with the whole one year to play, uh, one season left. And so um, for them, you know, it's a chance to, hey, you know, before these college camps, hopefully, knock on wood, we're going to have college camps this year. So it'll be this chance for these kids to uh, show out. Right now it is live streamed or there's videos that can be purchased from high school teams uh, for the Division One teams as they are not allowed to attend something like this. Division One AA, same rules apply for them. Um, now Division Two, II, Division Three, NAIA can uh, can actually attend. Um, and also, too, since the rules for those guys are that they can talk face-to-face with athletes, uh, we'll see what happens. I'm sure there are quite a few. I did talk to a head coach for a Division II school, a very good powerhouse school, uh, recently. And um, from, you know, we were able to shoot them over the roster and stuff like that so you can take a look at some guys that maybe they want to check out. Again, that roster is loaded. you got 88 dudes that have go from – you know, super talented that are uh, have you know forty Division One offers to some guys that I think is going to get some. Um, just maybe hearing from schools that don't have those yet, but um, we'll definitely uh, we'll definitely get you up to date on the roster. Right now, what I'm trying to do is go through the roster, make sure I got everybody's accurate height and weight. Guys, can't say this enough. You're on the world of Twitter, and your name is Ben Smith, and you're a superstar linebacker. That when got when coaches recruiters go to look for you, they're gonna go into that enter that search button and they're gonna look for Ben Smith. They're gonna look for Ben Smith, Somerville. They're gonna look for something like that. If your Twitter, if you are Ben Smith and your Twitter is uh, Knucklehead ninety four at Somerville, no one's gonna be able to find you then they have to go to somewhere like Max Preps and things like that just to try to hunt you down. They're not going to be able to find you. You have, I just told a player in the upstate area last week, bro, please, man, adjust your Twitter handle to something that has your information so people can find you. But when I went to his Twitter page, I finally got all this stuff down. I go to his Twitter page. It's got his name. And there's uh, no link to film, no GPA, no height, no weight, no positions played, nothing about his high school, no phone number, no email, no SAT score, no ACP score, no 40 time, no nothing. And I was like, brother, you know, help us help you. If you want to be helped, you got to help yourself. It takes no longer than 10 minutes. You guys are on Twitter all the time anyway. It takes no more than 10 minutes to just go in there and update your stuff. I've done it myself. I have logged in for kids. Many, many, many times I've logged in for kids and got their Twitter handle and got their Twitter going and, and got them all set up and it looks all nice. And uh, all somebody had to do is search for that kid, search for the high school, search for, you know, position like that. Everything was laid out, even a link to film, uh, even additional information in a pinned tweet was kind of like one of those notes you can do in your phone. And it looked really, really, really nice. Um, but let's do this. Let me uh, 
I need to check in with our main man. Like I said, we have um, our big guy coming in, David Shelton, from the Post and Courier Sports. So what we'll do is we'll take a minute and a half break. Uh, we're going to wait for him to call in, and then uh, we'll be able to get this thing going again. All right, we're we are back. We got the main man, Mr. Shelton, uh probably calling in from I'm gonna guess probably around that uh Carnage Crossroad, going towards Monk's Corner area, uh near Cane Bay High School. Who knows, man, he bounces around all around the low country and beyond, uh covering sports. Uh what's up, Big Dave? What is up? I'm here. You're here. All right, well I'll tell you, man. Uh, Friday night, uh, we had some pretty good football. Now, I know you said you're the game that you were headed to in person. That one started out the first quarter a complete shock to me. I had trained both of those, both of the kickers for both teams on Tuesday. And I told them, I said, I had one hour this week. Um, I know y'all play in a big region game against each other, but I got one hour. And, you know, we're going to have to work together on Tuesday. And Tuesday we did. 
from about 5.30, I think it was, till about 6.45. Uh, and then when I was on the field at Oceanside and I was trying to check in on the score over at 4D in Somerville, and I happened to pull up Hanahan and um, – and Bishop England and Bishop England was up thirteen nothing. I said, "Man, what is going on? I don't know what you brought over there, but wow, I was pretty shocked." Uh, catch us up on, on that one and some of the other uh, around the Low Country and your thoughts on those games. Yeah, that that game that game was uh, was really weird. Uh, you know, Bishop England took the first possession, first play of the game. Michael Long goes eighty-two yards, touchdown. Took about twelve seconds, and and then Hanahan gets the ball, throws a uh, completes a pass and they fumble, and then next thing you know, Bishop is back in the end zone. So they played six minutes and they were up thirteen nothing, and then Bishop Penguin just scored the rest of the night and Hanahan scored forty nine in a row. So uh, you know, I, I thought, you know, watching the game unfold, I thought Hanahan was the better team. Uh, Bishop England took advantage of the early situation; they just couldn't sustain it and. Uh, you know, Hanahan's got that offense, as you well know. They 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 pound on you, pound on you, pound on you without running game, and you know, Bishbanger just couldn't stand up to it. It it was uh, it was too much for them to handle. And the running backs at Hanahan started getting you know five, six, seven yards a pop, and then they'd break a long one. And and you know, the better team won, um, and they're going to go to the playoffs. Um, I I don't know what to expect from them in the playoffs. Uh, you know, they're, they're going to have a tough first round game. So I, you know, I, I would suspect it might be a quick out, but, um, uh, but yeah, that was that, that, that game I thought was going to be a little closer and it turned into a route. Um, and then some of the other games in the area, you know, the, the Fort D Somerville game, I totally got that wrong. I thought Fort D was two to three touchdowns better than Somerville, but Somerville led that game in the fourth quarter. And, uh, you know, it's funny because I said uh, on Sports Talk that I thought Somerville had to score 28 points to have a chance. Well, they scored 34, and if they get the two-point conversion, they pull the upset. So credit them for playing extremely hard and, and finding their offense, the best offensive game they've had all year, and it was against the best defensive team they played uh, in Port Dorchester. But at the same time, you have to kind of give – a little credit to Fort Dorchester because they were down by two touchdowns um, looking at a loss and looking at having to go on the road to Dutch Fork in the first round of the playoff. And they found a way to win. You know, good teams do that. Good teams find ways to win when they don't necessarily play to their potential. And I don't think, uh, you know, Steve LaPrade said after the game, I don't, you know, he didn't think Fort Dorchester played nearly as well as they had been all year. Somerville did play exceptionally well, and that's why it was a close game. Um, and then Fort Dorchester, you know, got the stop at the end. And But credit them again. You know, they scored 21 points after being down by two touchdowns to take the lead in that game and uh, and then held off a two-point conversion. And I'll tell you, and there was one more in your neck of the woods uh, that Rich and I had gotten back from the Oceanside game. Uh, the Fort D game was over, so he and I were trying to catch up. And I look at my phone, and I get a ding. And Richie says, look at your boy at Stratford. And I looked, and I was like, oh, no way. So I'm starting texting. I trained the kicker for Stratford Haas. So I'm texting his mom, you know, sitting in the bleachers. And I'm like, please tell me, update, update. Next thing I know, she said, it's over. And Richie said, they won. I said, no way. And I said, because I was waiting to hear from Christine, you know, confirm it. Somebody's sitting there. 
you know, I wanted to see it on uh, kind of on the phone. And sure enough, when I get it through and I text Richie back, I was like, you're right, man. Yeah, I, yeah, I just couldn't – I couldn't believe that they beat Goose Creek and took home the trophy. Yeah, I, that was a that was a shocker to me too. Um, um, and and being down twenty one nothing again, twenty one nothing to Goose Creek. That's usually the death nail. Usually Goose Creek puts their foot on the throat and uh, and it ends up thirty five nothing or or forty two to seven or something like that. But Stratford hung in there and found a way, and they they just nickel and dimed it and got back in it. Uh, they had a couple. Goose Creek had a couple of key turnovers. Uh, they lost a fumble down deep. They threw a pick in the end zone, um, you know, and and Stratford took advantage of it. And, again, credit them for believing because they are not as good as Goose, as Goose Creek. I mean, if they played nine more times, Goose Creek would probably win nine of them. But they won that night, and they, they came back from a 21-point deficit to a top-10 team in Class 5A. And, and took home the Golden Goose, and, and good for Denny McDaniel. That's the win. That is the signature win that he needed to make those kids believe they could play with the best because they'd beaten some teams here and there. You know, beating Wando is a good win, but not a signature win. And then they lay an egg against Cane Bay. So you start to wonder, okay, are they really that good? They played Berkeley pretty competitive, had a lead in that game. Then they beat Goose Creek so this is something that Denny McDaniel, for this year, it, it, it's not going to matter. They're, you know, they'll play out the string, but they won't be in the playoffs. But for the future, now he can look at these kids and say, hey, we can beat the best teams in the area, and the kids will have reason to believe him. Before, it was just all talk. Now they see proof on the wall. It's there. We beat Goose Creek. Now they're going to be able to build on that as the program moves forward under him. Yeah, no doubt. We actually had him on Wednesday, I mean, excuse me, Monday night, uh, and, and we debated about this, and we talked to him and said, brother, you know, we want to give you the statewide coach of the week win. However, there's a guy up in Florence uh, who, who probably deserves that a little bit better this time, uh, you know, and that's that's uh, Wilson, who uh, Coach Bradford, who was on our show as well, right before Denny, who went into Myrtle Beach and, uh, and, and beat those guys, the number one team. But, you know, we had talked to Denny before, and you know, not only did they get this win, but they got the Somerville win, which, you know, after the way Somerville played for it, I know you can't look at the score and give a total, you know, based on that. But, you know, like Denny, Denny spent most of the time talking about much like what you said. This is, this is a culture establishment type win. This is what sets the tone for next year when we have so much time to teach and the weight room and showing guys, you know, we beat Somerville, we beat Goose Creek, we didn't make the playoffs because we didn't finish those other games. I was at the Cane Bay game. That was a weird one. It just seemed like Cane Bay from the beginning just kind of owned that game, and they couldn't get out of their own way uh, and stop the run. But, um, you know, but I, if you and I were to say right now, would you take Cane Bay over Goose Creek? No. You would pick Goose Creek to win that game. So it was just an unusual and, and Goose Creek beat, I guess. And Goose Creek beat them pretty easily. So, you know. Exactly. Yeah, the, the the Cane Bay Strapper game is just a, a head scratcher. Cane Bay just seems to have Strapper's number. They've beaten them like five times in a row, and um, and they just have their number. And, and that running game that Cane Bay has, they're very physical up front. Strapper just doesn't handle it well. And and I saw the Somerville Strapper game, and and you know Somerville did not impress me that night. Um, and 
it was on a horrible field, and you know Stratford won that game, and it's big in the sense that it's Somerville, but that was not a really good Somerville team they beat. The team they beat last Friday night, Goose Creek, is a really good football team. That's why, you know, the Somerville win was big because of the name and because it is, is, it is a rivalry that goes back, you know, 25, 30 years. But the Goose Creek win, that was a, against a, a much better team. Goose Creek has better players than Stratford. But Stratford won the game, and yeah. that's why I think that's the that's the win that can that they can build on because one, it's the city championship they that means a lot more, and two, I mean again, Goose Creek was ranked in the top ten, uh, very respected, very talented. I mean, as good a group of receivers as you'll find anywhere in this state, those three guys can play, and they got a really good running back. He had two hundred and twenty-seven yards. And that was after going for 277 the week before against Wanda. So, I mean, you can, you can roll out the players at Goose Creek, and, and they're they're better team. But, it you know, I say this every week on every show that I do, that you're talking about 16, 17-year-olds. You don't know what's going to happen on Friday night. You have to play. That's why there's not a betting line on these high school games because they're just impossible to predict, you don't know which kids are going to show yeah. up, and and Goose Creek laid down after a twenty-one point lead, and Strapper took advantage of it. And to their credit, they won the game. But I tell you, uh, Denny said that um, you know it really kind of hit him in the face when he had he had to go up to the school, and I don't remember why, but he had to go up to the school early Saturday morning and stop in uh, his favorite coffee shop there in town, and said he walks in the door and everybody's like, hey. Hey, big win. Congrats, Coach. Big win. He's like, because he was just, he said he was, mind was on whatever he had to get done at the school. He walks in just thinking, you know, I'm just, I love this place. I'm just going to get my coffee. And, you know, he kind of walks into like this, uh, you know, uh, round of applause, so to speak, the way he said everybody was kind of, you know, nodding their heads and telling them congratulations. So that's a big shout out to him. And that's a big thing. Those kids knew they weren't going to be in the playoffs. Even, you know, for that game, uh, and, and they still came out to battle. So kudos to them. I'm sure you saw, uh, well, real quick about the the Greenville School in the Upstate uh, finishing in first place, tied for first place in the region. A team that many people had picked uh, to win the state title, and in fact, they're still ranked in the top ten, uh, and they won't be going on the playoffs. I believe I saw you in some of that Twitter uh, Twitter stuff back and forth. Um, I don't know that we have any situations like this, but uh, maybe you got some insights. We have the loco guys coming on later today. Uh, maybe you have some insights as to what's going on down with that Beaufort region and Foray ball. Well, that, that's a that's a tough deal right now because because Hilton Head has the COVID issue again, and it's the second time they've had it. And so their game with May River, you know, I guess officially is just not going to be played. And now those are the two. Them and Buford are the three best teams. Two of those are going to make the playoffs. Well, obviously, if Hilton Head can't play May River, that hurts them in their chances because they need to get that win. Uh, I saw somebody put out on Twitter today that that the game with Colleton County, I think it's May River and Colleton County, they should cancel that game because Colleton County is not in the playoffs and they should replace it with Hilton Head, which seems like a, a logical idea. Although, you know, you don't want Colleton to lose the game. So 
somebody else would have to play him or, or whatever. But um, it is going to be a sticky situation if they don't get that game played. And, and, and who knows? I mean, you know, Hilton Head might beat May River or May River might beat Hilton Head, but you, you don't really know because you'd like to see him play. Um, and Buford is sitting up there at the top of the region. I think Buford still has to play Hilton Head. So um, what happens if Hilton Head beats Buford? And then they all have one loss, but, but two of them didn't play each other. Well, then, you know, maybe that screws Buford out of it. I don't know what their tiebreaker is in the region. Um, obviously, the tiebreaker up in Greenville, um, it didn't fall Greenville's way. And you're right. They, they, I've had them in my, top, in my personal top ten in 4A all year. And, but this is 2020. It's a different year. It's a COVID year. It's, it's always going to go down as the year of COVID in high school sports. You only get two teams in the playoffs. I, I wish they had a better way of breaking that tie, but, you, you know, short of playing another game, which you can't do, um, that's just the way it is. You know that going in. You know the tiebreaker is going into the season, um, and you just hope that it doesn't come to that. But it does, and it did. And uh, a really good team, as you said, maybe, maybe capable of winning the upper state or winning the state title, regardless it's a really good team coached by a great guy and a great coach in greg porter but they're not going to be in it and uh we hate it but you know we i'm not i'm not for changing the rules now i i am opposed to that i don't maybe i don't agree with the rules but i don't think at the end of october you start changing the rules and you start figuring out ways to circumvent what is already in place now, that doesn't mean I agree with the tiebreaker or I agree with the reward or do I think the playoffs should be put back or whatever, but that's the way we – I'm not one of those that change in midstream kind of thing. We have a rule, we play it, and let the chips fall where they may. Totally understand that. Uh looks like we got Richie who's been joining us in here uh, on the way back over from practice at Fort D. Uh, so that will be my lead-in for the next uh, talk about this Friday night. I know um, – I know personally Oceanside's got a big one with sister school Gray coming in. Gray is uh, undefeated. They've knocked off Saluda, defending state champion Saluda. I think that was 28 to nothing. They beat Newberry on the road. Uh, I think they're ranked number two in the state in 2A. Oceanside is undefeated at 5-0. and uh, As of right now, they're the overall number one seed in the lower state with all the playoff games coming through the Citadel, which might include a team uh, from uh, Camden and, and Gilbert or um, – or um, Dylan, uh, Dylan, or, or Dylan, uh, which, which is probably likely. You know, all of those guys are very good. So, uh, you know, I'm, I'm not sure if that's your game of the week this week over at the Citadel or or uh, some other game. So, uh, let's go ahead and give you the floor and let's talk about Friday night. Yeah, that 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 great collegiate uh, side will be the game that I'm going to because I'm really anxious to see Gray. You know, when a team from the Midlands or the Upstate comes down here in my backyard, I want to see them. And I've heard a lot of good things about them. I've seen them on huddles, watched film. Their quarterback is a spectacular athlete. Their running back is as good as anybody in this state. Not a great big guy, but Casey Adams can play. He can run. And um, and Oceanside's got a really good defense. So I'd like to see how that matches up. Uh, I think it'll be an entertaining game. Uh, every year that they played has been a great entertaining game. You got uh, Porter Gal and First Baptist and Skeezer. 
uh, is a big rivalry and uh, should be a really good football game. Um, you know, then a lot of the games in the area uh, are non-region games. They they don't matter in terms of playoffs. You got Cross and Timberland. You got Cousins, Sean Wright at, at Cross and Greg Wright at Timberland are going to coach against each other. Um, you know, Hanahan and Philip Simmons, non-region game, but a but a kind of a Berkeley County rivalry. You remember the kids from Philip Simmons, a lot of them came from Hanahan. So that could be the start of, of something big. Uh, Berkeley Somerville, again, not a region game, but it's Berkeley Somerville and they played about 70 times or so. So that's going to be, you know, that's always a fun, huge game for both communities um, to, to get a hold of. And, and like I said, they're both in the playoffs and that, that, that draws another question. And I think Richie and I talked about this last week, you know, how, how important is it that you win these games at the risk of getting a starter hurt when you know what you got to do in a couple of weeks and play the playoffs? And in Berkeley's case, they play Somerville this week and they play Fort Dorchester next week. Fort Dorchester plays Wando Friday night and then finishes with Berkeley. I mean, what do you do with your starters? Do you try to win the game? Do you play them? Uh, in Fort Dorchester's case, maybe they – have some pretty good backups. I've seen their backup quarterback. He's he's not bad. Um, but all those other guys, do you want to lose Dwayne Wright, uh, your your bell cow running back, in a game that doesn't matter? So it'll be interesting to see, knowing these coaches like I think I know them, they're going to be competitors and they're going to go out and play their guys and, and win games. They're, they're going to go out to win the game. Um, they're not going to take a loss uh, because you want to keep the confidence up. You want to have your players – feeling confident going into the playoffs, and you don't want to sit your starters and lose a game and then have that confidence start wavering. So, And, and Oceanside and Gray, same way. Although I don't think, I don't think it's as big a deal with them. But, but, I mean, they do have playoff games coming up. And do you want to play your, your best guys for four quarters with the risk of, you know, a freak injury or something? And, and, and the other side of that is, hey, injuries happen in football whether it's a conference game or a non-conference game, you go out, you play, and if you make it through with no injuries, then you consider yourself lucky. And that's heck. And this year, if you consider you consider yourself lucky if you make it to the game, because COVID has been canceled so many games. You brought up a good point. Hey, David, like you man, uh, let me ask you this: a couple of things that uh, I wanted to kind of put out here. Number one, first of all, thanks for catching up with us tonight as always on uh, Wednesday nights. But, you know, when you look at that Somerville-Berkeley game, and you mentioned it, man, 70-plus times they've played, one of the oldest rivalries in the state. We're actually going to have the principal, uh, Coach Steele, is going to be joining us here at, right after you. And I'm going to ask him directly, and I know he's listening now, so he can go ahead and have his question ready to be answered. But, you know, I, I think, David, this is one of these games that, that these towns, man, this is an old, goes back, way back when rivalry that I, I would see it hard to believe that, that Ian Rafferty and the coach up there at Berkeley is not going to play their big dogs. And they're going to need to get this win, if nothing else, for the towns that they live in, right? I mean, you know, like I do, man, we've covered this when I was over in Somerville for about 12 to 14 years, that uh, this is one of those games, like they have many, but this one, everybody at any point in any era can relate to, not just the kids that graduated during the Stratford era or the Ashley Ridge area or the Fort Dorchester. And you can kind of tell who thinks what game is a bigger rivalry by the year they graduated. But this game, David, it seems like these guys would imagine would throw everything in the kitchen sink for that bragging right in that conversation for 365 after that game is over. 
Well, yeah, there there are there are a few rivalries in this state um with more tradition and more history than 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 these two. And you better believe everybody in Monk's Corner wants to beat Somerville. If they don't win one game, they want that to be the game. Somerville wants to beat Berkeley. People in Somerville, you go by Roman Simmons Barbershop, they're going to be talking about Berkeley. They're going to be talking about Berkeley. Now, in years where maybe one of the two of the teams weren't very good, you know, maybe it lost a little luster. But I, I, I've, I've seen games where, where Berkeley was not really very good and Somerville was really good and Berkeley didn't beat them, but they, they brought it. I mean, it's a big game. There's no question. You know, that's why you wish it was earlier in the year, but, but this – this being this late in the year kind of is reminiscent of the way it was back in the day. They used to play at the end of the season. And, uh, right. it, you know, unfortunately the crowds are going to be smaller, but I grew up in this robbery. I, 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 I went to Berkeley high school. I grew up in Somerville, but went to Berkeley. So I grew up, I mean, I've seen a lot of Somerville Berkeley games and I can remember going to a, a game if you weren't there the eight o'clock kickoff was usually what they had but if you weren't there by six o'clock in a seat you pretty much weren't getting a seat um and and, i mean i'm talking several thousand people there uh and they want to they want to beat each other bad so you you're you're right in a sense uh because this game is so important to the two communities and to the players you ain't gonna have to worry about looking ahead to the playoffs or 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 you know not really bringing your focus because it's Somerville Berkeley and down here, I mean there there there's not there's not any bigger than those two. Yeah, I agree with you, David. Being a part of that rivalry for as long as I have been, and you know one of my uh, you know one of my last games actually with uh, Ted Burns, we were over at Berkeley, and I remember you know they beat Somerville at Somerville. Somerville goes over there, beats them in the playoffs knocked them out of the playoffs. I mean, you know, it was kind of uh, the buzz around town for a long time. But uh, the other question I got for you is, uh, well, before I hit the one that's uh, a, a questionable game with COVID going on about teams going in outside of their familiar areas to play. So you can think about that Buford, uh, of course, Carolina Force game that's going to be happening. We'll talk about that in a minute. But you look at Somerville's schedule. I know we talked about Fort Dorchester. You, you mentioned the Goose Creek Gators and, of course, Berkeley. But, but Somerville on the other side, man, we talked about their gauntlet. They almost, and I mean almost, did what they needed to do to uh, to get up for that game that they needed to against Fort Dorchester, and that's what you do in rival games. You take the records out, you bring in the emotions, and it's a different ball club. Now they're going to have to do it four weeks in a row, David. Now what's your aspect after seeing what Centerville was able to do? Can they keep that same muster? Can he keep that same intensity after going after a team like Berkeley? And like you said, Berkeley throws everybody out here, and, and let's just say something happens. Man, they got to turn around and they got another heavyweight the week after, even though they're hosting it. You know, like I do, the fort's going to be ready to play. Yeah, and I, I think I think Somerville. It's going to be interesting to see if they can build on what they did last week. You know, they uh, they brought it all. I mean, they fake pump for a touchdown, and and Colby Shirey played out of his mind. And you know, can they bring that again? Because I, I personally have, have not been impressed with Somerville's offense. All year, I mean, I thought they had better players than Stratford, and they 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 didn't beat them. And you know, I don't know that they've got better players than Berkeley's got. 
But if their offense can get it going and be consistent, they've got a they've got a pretty good unit on defense. They're they're good at all three levels on the defense. And you know, I mean, again, you know, Fort Dorchester scored 35 points, but Fort Dorchester scores that on everybody. Um, but the offense was the big thing, uh, and they they found a way to score and and get ahead of Fort Dorchester. Can they do that with Berkeley? You know, that's going to be a test because. If they don't bring their offense, if their offense, if that was a one, a one-trick pony, you know, one show, then they're going to have trouble winning another game this year. But if their offense can score, and you know, if they can put up 24 to 28 or, or 30 points on everybody they play, they got a shot. Now, granted, we know who they opened the first round of the playoffs with, so they may have to score 50 to win that game. But but to beat Berkeley, they're gonna they're gonna need to be in the upper 20s, I think, because Berkeley's pretty good on offense. Yeah, I agree with you. Now, to give Ford a little love here, I, I do know they're actually leading the state in, in, in scoring right now. So even though they didn't get as many as they had been getting year uh, week after week against Somerville, they still, you know, I, I know Coach Brent and I talked about it walking off the field today, and, and that's just something, being a brand-new offensive coordinator, feels like he's got some pretty good rhythm. Now, the final thing I want to get you before I get you off here with us, and I do, again, appreciate your time. Uh, David, is uh, do you what, what is your thoughts of Buford going up Carolina Forest? We all know what's going on. We're well aware that Myrtle Beach, you know, is a hot pocket for multiple reasons because it's a destination for those not on the football field, but for those who visit the Grand Strand. Good idea, bad idea. Would you do it again? I, I, I'm, I'm torn because I like to see this 4A matchup because I think Eamon Smalls and and some of their big dogs that they've got sitting over there. Uh, over at Buford, I think it's going to be a good game. But do you risk that chance? Do you need that game? It's not even a count game as far as getting into the playoffs, which they've already done. But would you take your ball team up to a place that's a destination like Myrtle Beach and, and just to have another game? Yeah, I, I don't know. Um, I, I think the competitor in you says, hey, let's go play a 5A school that's going to be in the playoffs and, and, and let's go see what we how good we really are. But on the other hand, I mean, I mean, let's face it. The only thing that matters are the playoffs. The only thing. You play all year to get in the playoffs. And the only – beating Carolina Forest would be a nice feather in the cap. Has nothing to do with the playoffs. If you lose in the first round, nobody's going to remember that win over Carolina Forest. And, and the same token, if you're Carolina Forest, you're going to play a really physical team like Buford you know, two weeks before the start of the playoffs when you don't really have to. Now, I understand. I understand the thought process of we want to stay sharp, we want to we want to play, but, man, I if I wouldn't try to find, one, something closer and, and maybe just find a different opponent. Um, but, but it, again, you know, you, you and me and everybody, we're all competitors and we want to play really good teams. But, man, right before the playoffs, I mean, that's all that matters. And and um, I don't know how much depth Buford's got, but you know maybe they'll have a plan. But you're right; they are driving all the way up the coast and and little little more. Uh, of course, I don't know their areas had some COVID issues too, so I don't know it would be safer playing at home. But the the level of competition thing is is uh is kind of where I'd be. I mean, if I'm a coach, I'm thinking maybe I'll play this week, but next week. I'm not playing anybody. I'm taking the week off. I'm going to heal up. I'm going to take a week, and then I'll go into the playoffs fresh. But, uh, but yeah, the 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 the, com- 
the team that you're playing has a lot to do with that. Yeah, no doubt. And again, we're live right now with David Shelton. He does it for multiple avenues around the great state of South Carolina. One of those, of course, is Southern Sports Central. You can hear him over there with Bobby Harden on uh, Friday afternoons, and I believe he's hanging out with JB sometime uh, throughout the week. So the radio's covered. You do it up there with Phil Cornblue uh, at uh, about 11 o'clock. I believe you guys uh, get that engine up and running. 10, 10, 30, 11 10, on Friday night. As 10 well. o'clock at 11. 10, o'clock? 10, to, 10 to midnight. Okay. 10 to midnight, yep. 10 to midnight. And that's a great show, and I look forward to getting back in here this week as you got me back on the horn uh, this past week, man. But for all that you do around the state, man, around the low country, and just here at Southern Sports Central, man, I, I just appreciate your, your energy, your effort, and just uh, the availability, man, because I know so many people want to get that guy on their show or in their articles. And, uh, man, I tell you, thank you so much for uh, jumping on tonight, buddy. Not a problem. Enjoy doing it. Y'all have fun. And, hey, and tell, tell Stephen Steele, not to tell you any stories about how great a football player he was when he was at Summerfield. <laughs> you know, I can tell you he's going he's he's to come on there and tell you how good he was and all this stuff. And, and you know, I covered Steven. That's how old I am. I covered Steven Steele. <laughs> and I'm just kidding. He he was a pretty good lineman and, and, and did pretty good at Charleston Southern. But, but I'm saying don't let him tell you the stories. Right, right. Cut him off. <laughs> Yeah, cut I got you, buddy, man. <laughs> hey, man, appreciate All right, you. Guys take care. I'll talk to you before Friday, man. Yes, sir. Thank you very much. All right, take care. All right, there you go, ladies and gentlemen. As we uh, start to kind of look at things and uh, get into some excitement, I'll tell you what, you got to love Friday Night Lights because it gets conversations like that. Oh, Coach Steele, you know you're on hold, and we're coming to you right out of this. You're listening to Southern Sports Central off to the principal's office. Eugene and I go, nothing abnormal about that. I can tell you that right now. Coming up next, we're heading to Monk's Corner to hang out with the Stags of Berkeley right out of this, guys. Don't go anywhere. Hey, good evening, everybody. It is 7 o'clock here in South Carolina, Charleston to be exact, where you can find us on your map. And I am Richie Alban alongside, well, that is the coach, Eugene Benton, hitting the notes over there on Twitter at SO Sports Central. And you can find him over on Facebook at Southern Sports Central. So without further ado, we let him on the bus as we're hanging out virtually over in Monk's Corner, South Carolina, with the principal. And I call him Coach, Coach Steele. What's up, big guy? How's life up in the corner? Well, first off, David Shelton <laughs> hurt my feelings, and I'm not sure I could go on with this interview knowing how David feels about me. I mean, gee whiz. I mean, I, I'm not going to talk about myself. <laughs> hey, I think you're a hey, hey, I've seen some film on you, Coach, uh, in your days over here on this side of the uh, the interstate, man. i got to tell you. You played at the next level. I got, and you're still a pretty big dude. I hung out with you in week one. You invited us 
over there with that uh, big matchup between you and the Creek, man. But uh, I knew David was really going to take a stab once he knew you were hanging out. <laughs> no, I mean, that's okay. I mean, you know, my feelings are hurt. I mean, but Dave, David's a Berkeley SAG graduate, and he just feels when it's a Berkeley Somerville week to take jabs at me, but that's okay. <laughs> I'm, hey, I'm yeah, a you're used to this, aren't you? <laughs> Yeah, I'm a peace-loving person, so I'm I'm okay. I'm going to be very zen about David's remarks. I love it. As we're live right now with the principal of, uh, well, that is the Berkeley Stags up in Munns Corner, South Carolina, big-time 5A football. Going to be played on Friday night where the Stags come across that interstate down 17A where they'll find themselves in a very common ground on a, well, October afternoon and into the evening and for their principal man does he know this stadium extremely well because he played in this stadium for that green wave team and that my friends is what makes a rivalry a great rivalry coach uh, this is to me if i'm not mistaken if not the oldest one of the top two or if not three oldest rivalries in the great state of south carolina you've coached uh multiple games but this one is one that i know is always close to your heart being the principal now of this uh berkeley stag team adds a little bit more flavor, but wait a minute. You played for the legendary coach, John McKissick. You're a Somerville Green Wave alumni. Tell me, Coach, uh, how do you handle it on a week like this? Well, usually we get a green car and smash it in Mont's Corner, but, you know, with the COVID yeah. restrictions issue, we feel like we could do that. And, you know, that's a tradition of Berkeley High School for when we have home games against Somerville. And so that way when the Somerville bus turns the corner there on Stag Street, they they know we kind of set the precedent right then and there of letting them know that we don't care. We're here. We're going to be here all day packing a lunch. Um, you know, talking about the legacy of this game and how long it's been played, it's been debated. Now, I know City Slickers got different numbers and everything else. If we're not number one, sure. we're, not off by, we're not off by number one very much. And, and kind of like you said, both programs have been played each other now for just decades and decades and decades. And even if not in the same conference, you know, Starville and Berkeley are going to play. It doesn't matter what, if, they, if we have to drop this team or that team. And it's kind of understood across the state that, you know, if the schedule comes out that the first game we're going to put on there is Somerville-Berkeley for both schools, both programs for the t- both of the towns. Yeah, I totally agree with you as we're live right now in the principal's office. Yeah, we're in trouble. Timeout as we go here with the principal, Coach Steele, as he's talking about the Berkeley Stags as they'll make their way over to Somerville for an annual meeting over in the Ville on Friday night. It is one of our game of the weeks here, and it's got to be because it is one of the most traditional ones where there's a lot of family ties, just like this principal here to Somerville and across the way. That road down 17A holds a lot of stories and a lot of different ups and downs. Coach, when you think about this game, could you summarize it, I I guess, from your playing side of uh, the Somerville? What kind of goes through the minds of these young men over here on a night like this? As you heard, you know, if you go in there to one of the legendary barbershops, and it is also one of the oldest barbershops in the uh, state of South Carolina at Simmons, you know and I know that this is probably one of the hottest topics in and around town from week zero to finally when this week happens? Well, what I'll tell you is, is, you know, being, you know, coached at uh, Berkeley High School, now principal Berkeley High School, played at Somerville, assistant principal at Somerville. You know, this rivalry has a a special place for everybody over, uh, let's say, 35 to 40. I mean, we're not unrealistic. Uh, Somerville's big rival right now is between Ashley Ridge and uh, Fort Dorchester and, you know, those great programs. 
Um, most of them have a lot of implants of Somerville High School inside them. Uh, Coach LaPrade obviously coached at Somerville High School for many years of JV football and head wrestling, won many state championships there as a head wrestling coach. Ashley Ridge has a lot of great people graduated from Somerville High School over there. So for them, for those of us who played the game back in the day, we knew what we were getting into. I mean, this was going to be a physical game. This was going to be a game that your dad, your granddad, your aunts, your uncles, your girlfriends, your mamas, they knew that what was coming. They knew Saturday morning that you're going to be laying in bed a little bit late. You're going to get up a little bit slower because you knew this was going to be a, a very physical game and with a lot of emotions. And that's the one thing this year that I think we can all agree is, is that with the stadium capacity being tapped, and it rightfully so to help prevent the spread of the virus, you know, I just think that that's the good thing. But, you know, you lose that whole – everybody holding their breath. You know, we have a big picture in the coach's office from 2018 of uh, Bonner Stadium – absolutely packed with blue and gold and green and gold and just, you know, means still means a lot. But, you know, we understand where we're at with everything. Yeah, I'll tell you, I think I was actually, yep, definitely at that game in 2018. Uh, it was uh, quite a night. And I, I got to tell you, you just have a, a – you, you, you've got a sense of what Friday night like mean. You hear the songs, you hear the tradition, you see the videos. But I tell you, when you go into a stadium like that over there – up 17A in Monk's Corner, or like you guys will be on Friday night, you can just tell the two colors from uh, that traditional helmet at Berkeley to that traditional helmet at Somerville. It is, to me, Coach, everything of what you think about on Friday Night Lights. And like I told David, you usually can tell the graduate by the by the rivalry, right? Is that kind of the fair question to say there when you ask a kid oh, who yeah. is the rival to Somerville? Oh, yeah, there's, there's no doubt. You know, you – you know, Coach McKissick did such a great job there for so many years and all and just did a fantastic job. And the coaches that are following him have to fill big shoes and all that. But one thing that Coach McKissick did was, you know, they took care of Fort Dorchester. And quite frankly, you know, that's that's something hard to do right now. Like you talked about earlier, being the scoring, kind of leading the state in scoring and everything else. But I think that if you talk to the Foldens, the Nettles, the the Elmores, the the Saps, the, I can go on and on with names of people who were before me and came after me. Yeah, I mean, like I said, you, everybody circled it for that game. And, you know, quite frankly, you know, uh, Monk's Corner still circles that game hard and heavy every year because whether or not it's uh, Stratford's nice game, Cane Bay's a nice game, Goose Creek, you know, we owe them a little bit right now. But Somerville's how we measure ourselves. And, you know, the big to-do for many decades was Coach McKissick would not play Berkeley early. I mean, excuse me, late. He would only play Berkeley early. And he told me – I asked him about that one time when I was assistant principal, and he says, you never play Berkeley late because they get, they get better each and every week. You catch them early, and that way you don't get into a dogfight. He said, I, I coached against Gerald Moody way too many times as a dogfight. So that if you look back through there in the 90s and the early 2000s, um, Coach McKesson did a real good job of always somehow – some way managing the schedule to play Berkeley week one, two, or three. You know, we talk about Coach McKissick, legendary over Somerville, but like you just mentioned, Coach Moody, I mean, tradition lies within his uh, era as well. Coach, tell me a little bit about Coach Moody for those who may have not heard about this guy who I feel like is one of those, uh, well, building the foundation and it's kind of uh, got you guys to where you are, along with some of the coaches from the time that he stepped down to the coach who is now up there and I think doing a great job with the Stags. But tell us a little bit about the tradition and the history of Coach Moody that he meant and what he's all brought to the game when it comes to stack football. Well, that, you know, Coach Moody and Coach McKissick were best friends, which is a little known fact that nobody really knows about. Um, and they were, they, when I say they're best friends, their wives used to, and them used to play Canasta 
uh, once a week for many, many years. So basically what happened was Coach Moody is really the one that kind of set Berkeley High School to the standard it's at now going to the first state championship at Berkeley High School and really taking them to the next level, building that tradition, building the things in, that, in the program, um, doing it the right way, taking care of kids, getting the kids educated, getting them off to college for those who are good enough to college. And, it, you know, he really did a lot for the program, giving it a name, name recognition, also being an athletic director, opening up a bunch of new uh, sports at Berkeley High School, doing facilities back in the day. You can't speak enough good things about Coach Moody and the rock that he laid there after that. Well, Coach, of course, you currently have another guy on there running the program, and I think doing a great job. And Randy Robinson, Coach Robinson's always first class. If I reach out to him, he jumps on here with us. I didn't want to mess too much with uh, the coaches this week because I know how much they need to focus up the game at hand on Friday night with everything going on. Uh, I understand and respect this rivalry in multiple ways. But when you talk about, you know, uh, Randy Robinson, I think he's, without doubt, he's got the expectation. He has the respect for the community. I always tell people there's two things in Monk's Corner that you know about, and that is stag football and baseball and some other sports, but right now we're in football season. But you also know about Music Man Barbecue. Tell me a little bit about Coach Robinson and the, the new tradition and some of the new things that he's brought that you see it now executing the speed and the ability and the agility across the offense and defense, Coach. Well, Coach Robinson, uh, his first coaching job was at Berkeley High School um, with Coach Dennis Swaggart. Yeah, Randy was actually one of the defensive coordinators there and still tells the great story that um, he was defense coordinator to beat Somerville 7-6 to six with Ryan Stewart doing an interception, taking it to the house. So Randy and his first child was also born in Munts Corner, um, married his wife, Christy Robinson, in Munts Corner. And so after Munts Corner, he went up back to the upstate to be closer to his family with the small children, which we can all understand that 100%. Uh, went up there, was a at, uh, defensive coordinator at Daniel High School for legendary coach Alan Sidley. Uh Won three state championships at Daniel High School's assistant coach and defensive coordinator. And then went on to become a head football coach at uh, Daniel High School, which is not an easy job given the fact is you have all those Clemson University coaches, kids are there, and the Clemson University coaches and all. And everybody, you know, is an expert up at Clemson um, about football. So, they, you know, that's a high-pressure job. And that's honestly what really helped him for um, getting ready for Berkeley High School because, like you said, the expectations are actually bigger here at Berkeley High School than we're at Clemson, but the expectations are here for the right reasons, not because of the right last names. And that's something that he's always instilled into his kids in the program. Right now he's got um, – two years ago he had five kids from his programs in NFL. Obviously the most uh, – he's got one starting for Denver Broncos right now. Uh, Jarvis uh, starting on defensive line, and then some guy wide receiver at um, and the, for the Cardinals named Nuke or something, also played for him. Um, I've never heard of the kid, and so he's been very fortunate to um, be through that. And then coming down here, and he's done the exact same thing academics, a- excellent first and foremost. After that, we get into the weight rooms, we do the things the right ways, we take care of the small details, and if we do that, it takes care of the big things. We're live right now with the principal all the way up there in Munns Corner, South Carolina, the Berkeley Stags' very own. He coached there. He's now running the, uh, well, ops, if you will, and that is Coach Stephen Steele. We're talking football up there in Munns Corner. Big game, by the way, as these guys will take that long trip down 17A or short trip for some of those and uh, play that big matchup, that big rivalry game between them and the Green Wave. Now, Coach, let me ask you a couple of things. Playoff, you already know you're in. It looks like you guys are heading to Sumter. But before that, you got a couple of games. One of those is Somerville. The other one is Fort Dorchester. 
how do you guys or, or what is your mindset of a game like this? I know you guys look, you got to win this game for sure. And I'm sure Fort Dorchester is a must win as well because it's on the schedule. And I know the mindset of you and your coaches that you've got over there at Berkeley, but, but kind of give those listeners uh, an idea of what does it look like when you've already clinched the playoffs? You already know who your first game is going to be against, it looks like. How do you handle the next two weeks, Coach? Well, you got to take care of yourself. Um, first and foremost, you got to get better each of those two weeks. You, there's no time off. There's no, hey, we don't have a game for three weeks. The key to it right now for, I think, every program in the state of South Carolina is taking care of yourself. That Get your kids healthy. Work on your game plans. Go back to your fundamentals. You know, we lost a lot of fundamental time this summer. And these next two weeks, talking to different people around the state, most programs are more concerned about themselves than who they're playing the next two weeks. And I think that's the way that you have to look at it as a coach right now. You got to get your second string kids a lot more playing time. You got to get them into the game. You've got to make sure your starters are staying. You know, you're not really going to, and it's going to be fundamental football. There's nobody the next two weeks that are going to do their their best trick play for playoffs. There's nobody that's going to do their best trick play for this, that, or the other. It, it's just going to be old school football trying to take care of that. Uh, I think any coach that tries to do anything special the next two weeks is setting themselves up for the playoffs. So I think it needs to be about fundamentals, playing within yourself, and not trying to do anything too crazy to give film to the other schools. Yeah, I agree with you 110%, uh, coaches. Uh, you know, those are some of the questions I had before we even really got deep into it when they announced this thing. And uh, let me ask you this. This is something that we asked, David. I know you probably heard about it. Greenville's a team in the upstate. 4A football, but good football, solid football. They were picked to win that actually classification. They actually are tied three ways, but because of a point differential. And we said this in July. You and I have had some conversations off the air, Coach, about every game is a playoff game. There is no excuses at the end. If you don't get in, it's because you lost that one game by that one point, and it made all the difference in the world. To me, Coach, this is a life issue. This is something that we can utilize and teach our kids. This is real life. This is what happens as we try to tell everybody that athletes get this taught throughout the years. That's why it's important to have them on the field to get them competitive and get them ready for life after high school. Now, Coach, your thoughts on a situation like that from the principal's point of view when it comes down to uh, a team like Greenville who knew the rules, understood them, but actually didn't probably see themselves on the outside, even though they're in the top ten in the state still here on week six. Well, this is, you know, as a, I, I, let me not let me talk as just a regular person, not a principal, because there's some responsibilities I do have across the state of South Carolina with, with the high school league and everything else. What you said was the most important part. Every school knew what they were getting into. Everybody knew it was number one and number two. So you had to take every conference game as deadly serious as you could. And you know, I don't know if everybody really full out, fully realized what, how when we said one and two, when we all voted on it and agreed to it, it really meant one and two. And, you know, the regions themselves pick the tiebreakers. I don't know if you knew that or not. So each region can design their own tiebreakers. So Greenville or Berkeley High School or Somerville or um, Carolina Forest or uh, Northwestern, all those schools knew what the tiebreakers were going to be. So once you know what's going to happen as a coaching staff, as an administration, you've got to instill that in your kids. There's no plays off. There's no times off. We have to, you know, there's no second place. I mean, I know we there's one and two. But, you know, usually these kids and the coaches are like, oh, as long as we're in the top four. You know, it was a different mindset this year. I mean, you had to go all in, and, you know, Goose Creek's a great example against us. They they threw everything at us week one, 
and got a couple of good plays down the road. They got a great coach there, Jason Winstead, who I coached with, and uh, Randy Robinson coached with at Daniel High School, and we won state championship. And Jason threw everything at us he could. And, you know, but he, you know, the question is do people peak early? Do they not peak early? I mean, Strava had a major upset of uh, Goose Creek because those kids, like you said, already knew they'd already guaranteed in the playoffs. They know they're number one. And all of a sudden, Strafford comes out of nowhere, sneaks up on them, beats them, and which under normal situation would have major ramifications. You know, so I think it worked both ways. Some teams got upset that shouldn't have been upset, and I think some teams um, got um, some wins they weren't expecting to win. And I think the situation now, quite frankly, is is it's hard it's hard to complain about it. Yeah, no doubt about it. We're live right now with the principal, the man that's running, of course, the program on uh, multiple levels. It all goes through his office, good, bad, happy, or sad. You get to see Coach Steven Steele. I got to be honest, Coach, anytime I'm uh, reaching out, you've always been first class and reaching back and kind of uh, identifying any conversation that we have as friends as much as, you know, just me just kind of getting some ideas, some thoughts about, you know, uh, what we – what we have going on now the one question that's kind of come through social media as a former coach and now a principal just curious your thoughts as this is maybe something that's going to be uh played out down the road is uh going to the six quarter rule or back to the eight quarter rule and would you uh you know would that help you know in playing time and development what's your thoughts as a fan you don't speak as a principal now we're we're speaking as buddies at the barbershop but what's your thoughts of a guy that's played and you've seen some rules change in the last few years well, I was actually on the committee. <laughs> so, you had a heck of a way of asking me these questions. Act like you don't know what I'll – so that, when that really came down, the big, the, the big discussion that was going on there, and um, Akil Ross was on that committee, um, head coach at Fort Mill High School, who was at Marlboro County forever. Dean, Dr. Dean Boyd was on that committee, and a bunch of other people were on that committee. And basically, it came down to this. What's the best interest for kids long-term? Now, that's something that's really hard for people to think about, and we have to step back as coaches, fans, everybody else, and really decide what what we're here about. Now, I played back in the days where we only did the four-quarter rules, and, you know, you had to, you know, to get to be able to stand on the sidelines as a sophomore and then to actually sit and get on the field as a, as a sophomore for a varsity program was just, huge for me but you know we, you had to pay your prices to do it here's the issue i have with it now if the medical science is saying that this could lead to more concussions and not recognizing concussions that could cause kids harm especially our younger kids 14 15 16 years old and i'm not saying 17 to 18 year olds are any different but the kids that we're usually talking about are our young kids is this really something we want to do to have even a chance of messing them up I mean, I've seen kick, you know, people talk about to me like, you know, kickoff returns and this stuff. You know, that's where the six-quarter kids' rules will help out a lot. You know, and I, and this is what I said, and I said it against Conway um, High School uh, back in 1991 or 1990 was the only time I got a concussion. No, excuse me, 89 was the only time I got a concussion in my career on kickoff return when one of the gunners just hit me square up, and I didn't know I was in Looney Tune land for about 20 minutes. So my question, my point about this is, is that. I understand some programs are are hurting um, with numbers. I understand what some of the coaches are saying. But, you know, I, I still feel strongly that we have to do best interest of the kids. And that means we have to be the adults and we have to be the ones that sit there and have to make the hard decisions to ensure our kids. Now, I don't think there's any coaches out there that want to do this 
and they, they come up with great reasons and how they can keep it safe, and Georgia's doing this, and North Carolina's doing that and everything else. But let, let's let's look at the kids, and let's look at the data. The data's changed in the past, I think, four years now, three or four years. No. Or four years. The data's changed now in the four years, and that's fine. But if it hasn't, let's remember why we did this. This was about kids, kids' safety, and for the longevity of the sport. You know, we don't want football to end today, tomorrow, or in 10 years. We want football to continue on growing like we do. And in doing so, we have to be uh, able to do the things that we're doing. If concussions and head injuries weren't such a big concern, we all wouldn't be buying all the um, things that go on the helmets now, you know, for practice times. And when the seven-on-sevens throw and this, that, and the other. So we have progressed in a lot of ways, but there's some, still some ways I think we need to really think about it, about putting kids taken care of. We're live right now, hanging out in the principal's office, virtually, if you will, socially distanced, which is a good thing when you're in the principal's office, with uh, Stephen Steele. I call him Coach Steele over there at Berkeley High School, right in Monk's Corner, South Carolina. Big-time 5A football going to be taking on Somerville, the green wave. The helmets will collide around 730 in Somerville, if you're looking for one of those old-school Friday night smackdowns, you can check it out right over there at Somerville. Now, Coach, final football question. I do have one random question to ask you. When it comes down to the football, though, I'm hearing, and again, where there's smoke, there's a little fire, but you tell me whether or not it's just some of that uh, not really smoke nor fire, just a lot of hearsay. But state championships in the lower state this year, upper state next year, it's definitely not in Columbia. I've seen some articles there. What do we know after all these games are played and we finally hit championship weekend? Do we have a clue where we're going to see these championship games? Are you talking about for this year or next year? Well, let's go this year, and then you can follow it up with next year. <laughs> well, the big issue the big issue has been, and this has been um, brought up in 5A, 4A, schools are losing money by playing in state championships. The amount of money that um, University of South Carolina, this isn't, this isn't hating on University of South Carolina or being pro this school or that school or anything else, is astronomical. And what people have to realize is, is that we're having to split gate monies with other schools, and then on top of that, we have all the built-in expenses. So when we play a state championship game, uh, Dutch Fork is the one that really brought the, all the information forward with all the costs. Dutch, how can Dutch Fork play a state championship football game, have to pay the high school league a couple hundred bucks or a couple thousand dollars? How's it Fort Dorchester has to do that? You know, there, there, there's a lot of things that, you know, we're paying for somebody to be a – this is not a joke. This was actually on the list – there has to be an elevator repairman at Williams Bryce Stadium that we got to pay by the hour. There's custodian. I mean, it's it's the amount of things that they charged us for is absolutely astronomical. Going there for the basketball um, state championship last year, we're paying, we're buying dinners for the employees. Um, that was actually billed to us and every other school. And then on top of that, the high school league takes a percentage also. So the big debate that's been going on with all the classifications is, especially with these hard times with the money's coming into play, is do can we do this either at, at a smaller college or university, or at a, at a high at a mega high school in the state of South Carolina? You know, going to play at River Bluff is not a, exactly a horrible horrible idea. They have one of the best stadiums around, really great facilities, administration that supports the idea with Dr. Luke Clamp up there, but you know. And then the high school league comes back and says, well, you know, if you buy charter buses or you do this, that you're, you're the one running the price up. This is a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity for kids. Now, some schools are very fortunate to go multiple, multiple times, but we have to do this in such a way that's equitable for all schools. 
And my response back to everybody else is 1A, 2A, and 3A is playing over there at Benedict College, and 4A and 5A is playing at Williams-Brice. That doesn't make a lot of sense. We've already saying that it's okay for the smaller schools to play at a smaller venue who doesn't charge anything except for parking. They make all their money off of parking. So 1A and 2A is not paying the same bills that 3A, 4A, and 5A are paying. So how could wow. you do that with the taxpayer's money being involved in all this? And so being good, being good, taking care of the money of our taxpayers and our athletic programs, our athletic boosters, this is a problem that's been brought up and been fought heavily uh, up there in uh, Columbia. And, you know, Clemson University, the one year we went up there, Clemson didn't charge us a thing. But then everybody complained, saying, oh, that's too far, it's too far. You know, if, if um, let's say Hilton Head goes to um, um, a state championship or Myrtle Beach goes to state championship or Munts Corner, got to go all the way up to Clemson to play, oh, it's too far. Well, yeah, but how much more money are we bringing home? Or if you go to um, a River Bluff, what their proposal was, they just want concessions. They won't charge for another thing. I mean, these are the things we have to do to really look at, and the membership has to take stands on and to make sure that the monies are being used appropriately. I'm not saying anybody's stealing the money by any stretch of the imagination, but why are we charging for all these things? And if, if that's what they're charging right. the high schools, and you would think a college, a major university who's recruiting the state of South Carolina, who has some of the best athletes in the state of South Carolina would want us to stay there, why would you charge everybody this amount of money for something that's advancing your university, you get to showcase your program, your facilities, it doesn't count against your NCAA visits, and – so that's where a lot of us have a heartburn with this. I think those are great answers and answers. I had no idea that they were really a factor. I heard a few, but none of the factual ones that you just gave us as we're live right now with the principal over there at Berkeley High School, 5A program in Monk's Corner, South Carolina, the Berkeley Stags, of course, uh, head principal over there. The ball coach will be uh, Randy Robinson, but tonight we're in there with the principal, Stephen Steele. Uh, now, Coach Dill, the other thing I want to talk to you about, the final thing before I send you back uh, to your normal civic duties, of course, of running the uh, town of, uh, of Monk's Corner. And I don't know whether we have the other. I don't know if we have the other still listening or not. I did tell him I was bringing you in here tonight. I was hoping to get you guys on. I'm going to make it happen, by the way, Coach. But uh, before you answer that, uh, there was some stuff, some conversation, if you will, from the South Carolina High School League that came out about the fall, excuse me, the winter season, and I believe possibly the uh, the spring coming out. Do we have any, or can you, are you allowed to talk a little bit about what do we expect in the winter and spring months coming up and some of the things, I guess, that they mentioned uh, at their conference either today or was it yesterday? I think it was this morning, right? No, it was actually yesterday morning, which was one of the stupidest things I've ever been involved with in my career. So basically they had the executive committee meeting, and then instead of it being on Facebook or YouTube like they've been doing, they decided for all of us to do a Zoom call-in. So we thought that meant it would be on Zoom, you know, video, right? No, it wasn't. We had to literally call via the phone to do it, and guess what? There was nobody on the phone to control the people who were on the phone. So people were using profanity, people were using guitars. The executive committee didn't hear it because they were they were just pumping it through there. So people were saying all kinds of just weird and crazy things throughout the entire call to where you couldn't hear anything. So Commissioner Secretary, to his credit, uh, sent an email apologizing to the membership, which I greatly appreciated and all. And so now we're trying. They sent out a memo today 
about what was supposedly talked about in the meeting, and now we're trying to decipher what it means right now. To be straight with you, I should be able to give you an answer, but based upon the meeting that we had yesterday, I can't do it. But the thing about it is, is now all the we're looking at, you know, what does this mean and what does that mean? So to speak upon it right now would be ignorant on my part because we're still trying to get clarifications out of it. So so much so that the high school league sent us a survey out to ask us what questions that we had. And it's like, really? <laughs> and one thing that we read in there that was mind-boggling is that there would be no open season for the spring sports. So let's just let's just think about this for a second, all right? So you all of a sudden with no with no um, periods for the spring sports, right? There's no open season for them to practice and do the other good fun stuff, right? So what ends up happening with that, Richie, means is is that every school that has a um, let's give an example. If you got a great soccer program, right? You probably have a great soccer program with community and club teams around you, correct? Correct. All right. Now imagine if you're a school that doesn't have club sports around and that your soccer team needs as much practice time as they can get to make them competitive against the schools that do have great club programs around. Did we not just put a disadvantage to those schools compared to the others? Think about baseball. Think wow. about softball. You know, Last year with softball, we had a great chance to win state. We got a great chance to win state this year because Landy Cox the baseball team. We're always going to be in the hunt. But now all these, you know, but they have travel balls and stuff. So my point to you is, is that we're taking like 1A, 2A, 3A schools and quite frankly 4A and 5A to some extent and giving their spring sports a disadvantage to the, those who have versus those who have not. Mm. So, I mean, but they've already That's voted funny. on it. They were just telling us the rules. Mm. It seemed like a lot of chaos there, uh, Coach. I, I've had so many parents, I don't want to call them out, have inboxed me, have, uh, of course, come at us directly. You got in touch with a lot of those guys here on the network uh, and, and just asked them the question, scratching their head going, you know, what in the hockey stick is going on here? You know, and it's like I told them, I said, well, you've seen the unfortunate part of how this thing happened last year in the spring, and you've seen the consistency of it in the, in the of course, summer months. And, again, without not throwing rocks or, or doing any of that, I just would hope and pray that we're going to learn so much from this situation. I hope there's things, by the way, back to football that we keep. I like it being minimized with this uh, whole uh, conversation, if you will, of not having somebody who uh, really didn't earn a right to be in the playoffs. I like it starting Sweet 16. I think it means more. I think it makes the kids earn it more. It, it has more of a really life-affecting situation going on, and I'm curious if they how they do it here going into the winter and, of course, into the spring months, Coach. But to me, you know, this is one of the things uh, that you're going to start to hear some chirping from the baseball dads, you know, those guys are a little louder than some of the other parents. You mentioned Coach Cox, and I love that guy to death. He's a great coach. You know, you get, of course, uh, Ronnie Sears. You know, Ronnie Sears had a, uh, a loaded team last year over at Fort Dorchester, and most of those dudes graduated, didn't get a chance to compete. You know, I know you've got uh, Sharpie over at Somerville. He's got a loaded group of dogs hanging out, ready to hunt. But for me, it's just kind of weird. These guys, you know, for and I get soccer and baseball while I hear the dad's coach telling me, well, they need practice. They've been playing ball. They never stop. I mean, they really never stop playing ball because of the travel ball. And soccer, you're just as guilty. And even basketball. I know some of those guys in AAU were able to bail out not as much as the other two. But, you know, at least coach these two sports, soccer and baseball, and I think softball, were able to at least participate and, and stay active during the summer. Huh, Coach? 
I agree with you 100%. But, you know, one thing that you brought up about playoffs, you know, why why do we have so many rounds of playoffs? Well, that's simple. It's all money. Remember, the high school league takes 20%, well, up until this year, took 20% off of, of the top of every uh, ticket sold in the playoffs. So the more rounds you got, the more rounds the money the high school league got. So if you had four or five rounds, that's 20% off of each round. So if Somerville and Berkeley, um, say they played in the playoffs, made $10,000 before I did anything, $2,000 went off to the high school league. That's before I paid my bills. That's before I paid for anything at my school. And then what was left over was split 50-50. Under the new program that's going on now, we're paying basically dues, and the high school league no longer gets any of the money for the playoffs, and now the schools get to keep that money and split it after they pay for the bills. So these are things we'll be talking about. Do I think that they're actually going to change the amount of playoff games? I seriously doubt it. Um, there's a lot of money involved for different schools and everything else. But, you know, that's the reason why it got expanded. It's just purely financial. Yeah, I totally agree with you, Coach. We could do this all night long. I love having you in here talking football, baseball, basketball. We didn't even get to talk about your paint snake and your fishing trips around Monk's Corner. But don't worry, Coach. I'm going to get you back in here next week because guess what? The Ford's coming into your town, coming Friday night. That means I'll be joining them then as well on Friday night, so I get to see you twice in one year. It's kind of, uh, kind of, I guess, the norm now. With 2020, we get to get the unexpected uh, on a regular basis. Coach, do me a favor. Well, wish uh, your entire team the best of luck, and, of course, uh, Coach Robinson as well. I will, and just two quick things, if you don't mind, real quick. I know yes, I'm using Joe Call's but I promise you, Joe Call ain't going to say a word about it because he knows I got dirt on him. Number one is, is Coach Steele, <laughs> if, if he ever wants to go one-on-one with me, he knows where I'm at. And the fe- second thing is, is Joe Call took his team down to the Ronald McDonald house this week, and I just thought that was something really classy that he did to expose those kids, take them down there to help down at Ronald McDonald house. And I was real proud of Joe for doing that. I've known him since he was basically a baby, and I was real proud of what he did. And, of course, I did see that he got a pair of shoes that actually was the same size as his head for the first time in his life with the Ronald McDonald <laughs> shoes. So I was real proud of that, too. I love it, man. Only here on Southern Sports Central do you get the jazz from the highs and the lows. And, of course, you're catching it from the principal's office over at Berkeley High School with Coach Steven Steele, former Green Wave. He coached, of course, at Berkeley. Now he's the principal. He played football in college and now – He's a big-time supporter of Southern Sports Central and the network here. Coach, God bless you, your family. I look forward to seeing you a week from this Friday. We'll do it over there in Monk's Corner. We'll catch up with you guys and uh, you there? Gotta get you bring guys me. to uh, – what's that? Bring, bring me some stickers so I can show everybody I'm cool. <laughs> I got you. Hey, I got you covered, man. Coach, take care. We'll see you next Friday night as uh, the Fort comes calling over there in another big game you guys will have before the season ends before I hit the playoffs, Coach. Thanks for helping us tonight. Thanks. Talk to you later. All right. There you go, ladies and gentlemen. And now, we're going to head to a very quick break because I think at any point, Joe Carl is going to join us as uh, we went 10 minutes over. But like the coach there said, he's got a little bit of that, well, conversation. More of that and even more of that coming up right after this, guys. It's just Southern Sports Central. Coach Call, you're on deck. We're coming to you next. Oh, 
guys. It turned into quite the show here tonight as we've invited some of our closest friends. We had, of course, uh, David Shelton at 630. We were in the principal's office with Stephen Steele. Did we find a little information on our next guest? Well, maybe we did. Maybe we didn't. But we are now heading out to the Bull Shark, and that is Coach Joe Call, the head coach of the Oceanside Land Sharks, where they'll come in here hosting a team out of Columbia. It's a, uh, I don't know if it's the sister school or the brother school. We'll find out from Joe as we welcome in the coach right now. As you guys, Friday night, Coach, it's great collegiate. It's Oceanside, and it's all under the lights in your backyard, Coach. Hey, what's up, guys? You know, I get to uh, follow two of my favorite people, David Shelton and uh, my man Stephen Steele. But, uh, oh, man, glad glad to be on following these guys. But, but, yeah, we got a big one Friday night. That, uh, that we're looking forward to. So uh, we, we call them our, our sibling school, sibling school. So hey, it's a, uh, not, not a brother, not a sister, so sibling school. I got you. I was kind of curious, and I almost, you know, I've talked to, uh, you know, Todd Helms a little bit there, uh, one of the guys that you know very well. And of course, Bray knows him extremely well. I'm sure he'll be, I would hope he would be in attendance here uh, on Friday night when he oh, gets yeah. to see two schools that he's got a lot of uh, – a lot of interest in here. It's uh, it's kind of like a, a dad that probably has to wear two shirts cut in half uh, on Friday night. Now, Coach, congratulations, by the way. You've won the region, right? You're continuing to do what you need to do. You went undefeated, I believe, in the region. That's over and said done with. And you've continued to uh, just knock them up. You and I have had a lot of history together in about the last 10 to 12 to 14 years where I understand your coaching style. So I'm not surprised of your success, by the way. Just excited to see it unfold over there for those folks in Mount Pleasant. But, you know, tell us a little bit of uh, kind of recap the last five uh, five weeks and how last week went as well. Okay, uh, you know, jumping up to, to, you know, 3A this year um, and a, just a traditional power region down here in the, the low country with uh, the likes of uh, Han Han and Bishop England and, uh, you know, to be able to jump in and, I'll uh, be able to compete with those guys and, man, some legendary coaches, you know, uh, Coach Canty, John Canty at Bishop England, and, and of course, uh, with, with Art Craig over at Hanahan, you know, just, uh, you know, tough football teams and to be able to just, uh, you know, come into this region and compete. And, you know, uh, you know we got a, a, a great team and you know, our guys played well. We're up to the challenge and you know, our coaches did a good good job of getting our team uh, prepared to play every week. So, yeah, we did. Uh, you know, we won the region, um, and and that was one of our goals going into the year. And you know, as, as many teams set many goals, and that was one of our goals. And, and usually, you know, our goal is week to week just to go one and know that week, and then you turn around and you know, kind of kind of when it's all said and done, then look back. But uh, you know, we we accomplished the goal of winning the region and and gaining the number one seed in the playoffs. And you know, uh, like like you know, David Shell was saying earlier. You know, um, I mean, all the playoff brackets are set. You know, everybody's kind of focused in on the playoffs right now. And, uh, but you know we still we still got a uh, you know for us we we got a a big rival rival game this week you know our sibling school gray coming down they're five and zero they won their region they're number one seed you know so we uh it's a lot of uh, a lot of bragging rights you know like I said Todd is knows these two programs better than anybody you know he he's you know part of uh, building building both schools and uh, you know hiring the, the principals administration and coaches and. You know, his son played for Gray, so, you know, he knows these programs very well. And, uh, you know, he's going to be here for sure. You know, he wouldn't miss it for, for anything. So, he, uh, um, you know, it's going to be a, be a big one, you know, one we're, we're excited about. You know, but like like David said, you know, everybody's got the eye, eyes toward the playoffs. But, uh, you know, certainly with these two schools getting together, you know, we you know, it's kind of like Berkeley-Somerville, you know. <laughs> Coach Steele can say that, uh, you know, they're, they're going to – you know, save some plays, but I promise you, in, in any kind of rivalry game, 
like these, uh, you know, you may say you're going to save something, but, you know, if it comes down to it, the game's on the line, you're going to do whatever you got to do and run whatever plays you got to run and play whoever you got to play to get the win. Yeah, you're no doubt about it. We're live right now with the Bull Sharks from the Land Sharks. We are on the virtual tour campus at Oceanside Academy where these guys are 5-0. and They win the region. They are going to stay home as long as they win from here on out. And the big wins begin, of course, not only this Friday and the following Friday, but it is week one in about two, maybe three weeks. That's how you look at your calendar. Uh, Coach, uh, playing in Johnson Haygood Stadium, another familiar place for you. I mean, as a player at the Citadel, quarterback, if you will, over there under some other great coaches who you also played for and loves Jay coach over here at Somerville, not far from the studio. Uh, you know, how important and how awesome is it for you to be a coach now on that field as you are able to look your guys in the eyes and tell them, hey, look, this is what happens here. I know you are one of the most passionate coaches uh, in, in high school football. I got a chance to be with you for many years as uh, – you know, you and I were up at Somerville, and you would sit the guys in the stands, Coach, and you would tell them the story of why McKissick Field was so impressive and why everything was so just incredible the way that it was. To me, you have that same opportunity over there at a place that you also know to call home in Johnson Hinkett Stadium. Have you had that chance? Have you explored that opportunity? And what does it mean to you, Coach, to be undefeated on a place that, uh, well, you left as a as a man at, at Somerville and grew up a few more inches over there at the Citadel. Yeah, I think uh, uh, if anybody can, you know, um, tell you it's like like Steele was saying. You know, I mean, he he knows the history of uh, not only Somerville football better than anybody, but uh, you know Berkeley football as well. I'm talking about Coach Moody and uh, my granddad. You know, just the history and you know, it, it's in you know we, we believe that you know it's important for our kids to understand. Um, you know, the history and, and, and where they're at and who they're playing for and who they're representing. And, uh, you know, that's why we you know, did that at Somerville, and that's why, you know, he does that at, at Berkeley. You know, even though he's a Somerville graduate, you know, he talks about the history of low country football and the Somerville-Berkeley rivalry. And, you know, we, we talked about that all the time. And uh, when I was at Somerville, and, you know, one thing here at the Citadel, you know, we talk about, the, you know, being able to play at Johnson Higgins Stadium, the history of that stadium and uh, the history, you know, talk about, you know, where we're at, you know, and talking about building history of our own. You know, we're, uh, you know, in our fifth year of existence here at Oceanside. And so, um, you know, we're starting to, to build our rivalries and our traditions and, you know, and, uh, you know, letting these kids understand that what they're doing now and uh, uh, are the traditions that'll be, that'll last forever uh, for, for this school. And, uh, you know, so they're, they're, they're still laying, you know, we're still laying the groundwork for, for what's to, to come for years and years and years. So, uh, you know, um, yeah, until we, we actually get our, our own stadium built, you know, we are certainly blessed to, to be able to play down at Johnson Hagen. What a beautiful stadium. You know, they got uh, the new turf this year. Uh, they went from a grass field to a turf field and just absolutely did it first class. And, you know, from the locker rooms to the press box to the to the stands all the way to the field, you know, to the, you know, to the, the you know, the concession stands. I mean, everything we get back from our, our fans, you know, all the feedback, you know, it's just a tremendous – opportunity for us to be down there so uh you know it's a great place to be able to call home and uh you know they're they're gracious enough to, to lend it to us for a few home games on friday nights and you know i uh, look forward to a few more weeks there so hopefully we can uh you know keep keep winning and keep playing our games there week after week so but it's a uh you know just building those those traditions and, and letting our kids understand uh that they're laying the groundwork for for uh years and years in front of them so it's important that they know that 
We're live right now with the uh, head football coach of an ocean side. We call him the Bull Shark over there with a 5-0 and program. This week, they welcome in another big-time powerhouse all the way from the Midlands. A lot of eyes, a lot of ears, and a lot of voices will be heard over there in Johnson Haygood Stadium where they host a very good team at a great collegiate, a, uh, a sibling school. I think that's uh, – I got it right there, Coach, uh, that they will be facing up here. Todd Helms, of course, uh, does a great job supporting Southern Sports Central. I know he's listening in here tonight to not only you, but the coach to follow you, which will be that head coach from Gray. Uh, joining us at 8 o'clock. Now, uh, Coach, you, you look at this thing, and, and, and Coach still brought this up, too. In a minute, I want to talk a little bit more about some of your big game changers and some guys because I think you have a very impressive team from all three facets of the game. But, you know, uh, Coach still brought this up, and he said that they were looking for a smaller venue to play state championship games in. And how great would Charleston, South Carolina benefit we being myself and Bobby Hart and other guys in the media here in, uh, in, in Charleston, along with Eugene, we've all talked about how we feel like we should be hosting some of these type of games. Well, here's maybe a golden opportunity. Do you think there's a shot, maybe a chance that they can say, look, it's held in the lower state. Let's just bring it to Charleston. It's already a great destination. Come on in and let's play uh, five games in one stadium in two days. What is your thoughts as far as something like that happening since you guys are allowed to play it? in such an incredible stadium. Yeah, you know, I think uh, you know, uh, Steele said it, you know, really well. You know, you start, uh, you know, it'd be obviously a great, great venue right here in, in Charleston, sure. and, you know, whether it's at the Citadel or Charleston Southern, and, uh, you know, two great uh, colleges right here in, in our city that, that could host uh, state championship games. But, you know, uh, a lot of people, like Steele said, complained about, you know, even though Clemson was – uh, letting the, the the state use the, use Clemson Memorial Stadium for free, you know, uh, people were complaining about the travel. So I think, you know, that it'd probably end up getting the same thing if they ended up doing it. But uh, you know, if we had the opportunity to to really uh, have that game, you know, down here this year, that'd be a good good chance to kind of show it off and and showcase uh, showcase the Citadel and Johnson Higgins Stadium. You know, just uh, the beautiful facility that it is. So it's uh, you know, we'll we'll see. You know, I think what they're saying is if, if it happens, it's um, you know, whoever the, the lower state team is. So, you know, uh, I mean, that could be any, anybody in, in any level. So, you know, uh, there's a lot of, especially, you know, 3A football, there's a uh, a little team that we all uh, maybe have heard of down here in the lower state in 3A called Dillon, who uh, is going to have a state yep. show in this thing. So I'm sure they'd like to be able to host it at their place as well. So, you know, uh, but going back to, to answer your question, uh, you know, I mean, I, I think, you know, if uh, – you know, if it ended up working out, they, they alternated and did some kind of rotation or whatever. The, the Jonathan Higgins Stadium would certainly be a good good venue to host it in Charleston, a great city to host uh, all those fans and all those communities. It'd be a great one. Now, yeah, Jackie Hayes is another traditional name. We talked about many coaches uh, from Berkeley to Somerville, and you can't not talk about that coach over there with the uh, Dylan Wildcats. And, of course, Jackie Hayes, he's uh, – by the way, last year you actually gave him the uh, the legendary trophy, the Coach of the Year trophy, if I'm not mistaken, uh, last year, Coach. So uh, yeah, I agree with you. He's a guy that I know y'all have on your radar, even though you won't see him until the latter part of the playoffs. Now, Coach, before we uh, miss out the opportunity, let's talk about some of these land sharks, man. You got a lot of great guys doing great things. Start off on the off. Excuse me. Let's go defense because the offense always gets to go first. Let's go defense. You got a great coach and coach over there. I know he's doing things. And you got some playmakers doing things in big times. So, uh, tell us who has been some of your big playmakers on the defense, and then you can go offense and then follow it up with special teams, Coach. 
Yeah, um, you know, really, you know, you're talking about a, a great defense who's just been uh, lights out for us this year, and you know, they certainly got a, a huge challenge this week uh, with the, the best running back in the state coming coming to our place this week. So, uh, but yeah, you know, right right in the middle with Carson Arnold and uh, Rhett Powell, our two linebackers, uh, you know, just playing tremendous. And you know, when you when your linebackers are making all your tackles, that means your your defensive line is doing their job. So Timmy Castine and you know Marcus Adams and. James DeVoe, those guys up front are really doing their job, uh, occupying the, the blockers and letting those linebackers run free. And then, uh, you know, kind of playing a, an outside in, kind of outside linebacker, kind of stand-up guy, Dana Brunson. You know, I mean, he didn't play, uh, uh, never played defense before until this year. And, you know, Coach O and Coach Crosby, uh, man, took him. And, and Coach Howard, man, they took him and just made him just a, a defensive stud, you know. So he's uh, really kind of found his niche playing some uh, defensive end, outside linebacker for us, as well as tight end, you know. And uh, all those guys kind of play both ways a little bit for us. So, you know, it, it kind of starts up front, you know, uh, uh, for us. And then, you know, when you you got a good, strong uh, guys up front, you know, you got to be able to fill them in in the back because the teams, you know, can't run on you. They're going to try to throw on you. And we're, we're fortunate to have a pretty strong secondary. Uh, you know, Ron Chauver, you know, coming and playing safety, along with Zach Hagedon. You know, those two guys are, are – not only guys who can cover cover deep uh, in the throwing game, but man, they they'll fill the box in a heartbeat to come stop the run. And uh, they, you know, like I said, they're certainly going to have to be active this week, and um, uh, with KZ coming in. But you know, then a corner, you know, we got uh, Coach O's son Zay. You know, he's he's a uh, man coming and just played lights out. You know, he plays both sides of the ball, uh, plays corner for us, plays uh, slot receiver for us, plays out wide for us. You know. He's on uh, all of our special teams. So, and then uh, Rico Harrell plays the other corner. So, you know, we got some. Um, you know, then we got a little joker package. You know, we bring in a, uh, another heavy hitter, like another safety to come in and play a little outside linebacker uh, too. They come in. So, we got a lot of contributors on defense. You know, I know I just reeled off a bunch of names, but you know, these guys. You know, they all. What's great about them is is how they they all work together, man. They're just you know they they really trust their coaching. You know, just believe in your coach and do your job. You know, if it's this type of defense, you get in there, you do your job and do your assignment. And sometimes, you know, uh, you know, you're occupying somebody so your brother can make the tackle. So it's a very unselfish defense, and uh, you got to love that about those guys. And uh, you know, that's what they they bring every week. So it's a uh, fun group to watch and a fun group to they actually make watching you know defense you know really exciting. You know, just, just watch those guys play and, and run around and and uh, kind of you know pull for each other and and I uh, you know. They're a, they're a good unit, you know, a good working unit. So, um, you know, then the kicking game, you know, uh, Spencer McKinley, uh, our kicker, this is, uh, you know, Eugene, you're going to love this, but Spencer McKinley, our kicker, was our defensive player of the week last week uh, with all those touchbacks. And, uh, and so here he is kicking kicking off and kicking all these touchbacks. And, you know, uh, you never let your opponent, um, you know, start anywhere other than a 20-yard line. You know, that's a pretty pretty big defensive weapon. You know, a kickoff is the first play of defense. and you know, having that weapon and keeping your opponent pinned down to the end zone. So it was, uh, you know, we would, you know, our, our opponent was never able to get out of their end of the field because of that. So, you know, uh, and then, um, you know, Coleman Franzone, you know, just icing his veins, kicker, young kicker, ninth grader, uh, man, one of the biggest uh, legs in the state. Uh, you know, he's like second in the state in, in punt average right now as a ninth grader, and that's just tremendous. You know, he's uh, 10 teams inside the five, so, you know, he's just uh, – you know he's in control back there, and you know he 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 also holds for us on on extra point and field goals. So got some ice in his veins, but uh, you know they're doing a great job on special teams, and and also you know we're we're fortunate to have one of the best best snappers in the country. You know he's rated high, you know extremely high in his uh his craft, what he does, Zach Champagne. So he's a uh, snaps for short snaps and a long snaps. So he's a uh, he's done been been a real solid job. So 
real pleased. You know, I, I like to coach up the special teams a lot, and a lot of times I get uh, get criticized for that. Believe it or not, do like you know, coach, why do you spend so much time on special teams? You know, at practice, I said, well, the guy who won more games than anybody in the history of football focused on special teams, so I think I'm going to do that. You know, so you know that's kind of an easy answer there. So it's a uh, um, you know, those guys are doing a great job, though, of, of responding to, you know, I kind of challenge them weekly to, you know, let's see what else we can do on a, on a special teams unit. So, and then, uh, you know, offensively, you know, we're, uh, we're you know, you know it, it's been no secret, you know, that uh, we've been talking about that offensive line and the size of those guys and their ability. And, uh, you know, it's, uh, they've kind of lived up, lived up to that. But, you know, there's always room for improvement. You know, those guys are continue to, you know, they, they're, they're very tough. Uh, on their grades, um, you know, how they grade out each each week. And, you know, they just don't, you know, get that check mark and, and move on to the next play. They're extremely critical of, of all their movements and, uh, you know, perfecting their craft on the offensive line. So that uh, that helps our skilled guys. You know, still, you know, the, the, the young, um, inexperienced, you know, the guys are gaining experience at the skill positions and getting better every week. And, you know, we got a uh, young sophomore running back, Vaughn Blue, who's starting to make a name for himself. And, you know, he and uh, our senior, Lamar, uh, are two tailbacks. They, you know, the way they push each other at practice and compete uh, with each other. They don't compete against each other. They compete with each other and make each other better. And, and as a coach, that's what you want to see from your running backs. And, you know, they're fighting every every minute of every rep of every day of practice to, to get uh, get carries. And, you know, they, they pull for each other to make each other better because they know it's going to make our team better. So, um, you know, it's kind of a rundown of our, our team and where we're at so far. And, you know, uh, you know, looking forward to Friday night and then uh, taking a week off and getting healthy, like David was saying, and then uh, making our way to the playoffs. Live right now with the Bull Shark, of course, joining us all the way from, uh, well, Oceanside. That's Mount Pleasant, 3A football. But don't let that uh, number or that letter fool you. These cats are 5-0, and or these land sharks are 5-0, and and they're eating and see chum in the water. And this week it's going to come looking a lot like Gray Collegiate. They'll be in there tomorrow, excuse me, on Friday night. Over in Johnson Haygood Stadium at 7.30 kickoff, Eugene will be in attendance on behalf of Southern Sports Central. So you can follow us over at SO Sports Central for in-game and I would say a few probably pictures and some videos as it happens. Now, Coach, I, I started to kind of put things in order, and, and I got to say, you didn't mention much about your big dogs in the front, Jacob Ashton, just some of the other guys. And I mentioned him, and I know there's about four or five other cats that are just as big as their offensive line coach, who, by the way, played for the Gamecocks at the University of South Carolina. But, man, and I, you thought I was joking a year ago when I told you, but you guys, man, y'all got some huge sharks on that front line, averaging is what, six, 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 seven? Yeah, those guys, uh, those are some big boys. And, uh, and like you said, there's uh, it's not just one one or two of them, man. It's a whole group of them. And those guys are so fun to be around. You know, they're such a, a good cohesive unit. You know, those guys, you know, hang out together. They eat together. They you know they're 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 never farther away from each other than you know within an arm reach. So, but uh, yeah, you know uh, Jacob, you know Ashley and and Monroe Freeling, you know those are tackles and Will Golf and Jackson Lynch, and you know those are our uh, our guards. And then Mickey Lee is in there at center, and then Shane Mahoney, you know, comes in there and plays a good bit. And you know we talk about Zach Champagne being our snapper. He comes in there and plays some some offensive line as well. So it's really a group of about you know seven guys. You know, along with uh, Dana coming in at tight end. And then um, uh, Carson plays some tight end from the linebacker spot, too. So, and it's just a great group of guys. You know, all of them got, you know, extremely – but, you know, you don't you – know, you see, you know, these guys are athletic. They're not just like 
big guys or big bodies who can't move or bend. I mean, these guys are like, I mean, they do yoga, you know, I mean, they, they know how to bend, you know, they know how to run. They know how to get up on their toes and sprint, you know, they run sprints after practice, you know, they don't just get out there and do OL try. They, these guys run, you know, so it's a, uh, just a great group, man. Like you said, they're just, uh, and to watch those guys, just kind of how they, they get along with each other is just fantastic. That, that, you know, that, that's part of what makes a, an offensive line a, a great unit when they can all kind of get along with each other and they're, they're, you know, best of friends off the field as well. Yeah, Coach, I would agree with you. And, of course, uh, you got a great trainer, a guy that does an incredible job keeping them in shape. You've got one of the best staffs, I can tell you, uh, in, in 3A football and across the state. You have done a great job surrounding yourself with uh, great coaches who uh, are, are teaching these young men to be great people uh, and on the football field and off the football field. And I compare you, I know we're Gamecocks, but I compare you a lot uh, to like a Dabo Sweeney, a, a player's coach, but don't get it twisted. He will call you out when needs to be called out. Now, Coach, the final thing, to kind of go a little bit about uh, what we kind of started off with. This is the first time in a long time that you're not part of that big game on Friday night. And, again, being a Somerville you know, uh, staple. I, I don't care where you live, where you go. I know you'll be connected to Somerville for the rest of your life, and that's not a bad thing. I can tell you that firsthand. Now, that being said, you know, how weird is it going to be Friday night? I, I know we've you, you've seen them play. Somerville played the fort. They played Ashley Ridge. They played Stratford. That was a game that you, of course, uh, used to always talk to me about was a good game for you in your days of playing as a quarterback of Somerville. But this game coming up Friday night is one that everybody, as the young people say, turn up for, right? Uh, is it, what's your thoughts about it coming in to seeing this? I know you'll be coaching on your own game, but there's got to be a little something in, in the tank when you kind of look over and see this big matchup, this historical, the oldest one in the state. And anybody who's gr- grown up in, in these two towns or been in this rivalry, grown up in this rivalry, been a part of this rivalry, played in it, covered it, watched it, you know, uh, been to either one of these schools, man. They they get chill bumps during this week. And, and Steven said it right. You know, no matter what, this game is going to get scheduled. No matter what classification, no matter what region. And uh, it, it's because of that rival. I mean, this is the rival. This is the, the, the rival. And, you know, we tried to, you know, always uh, – uh, and we, we talk big about it every year because it is a big deal, man. Throw the records out. It's always a barn burner, close game. I mean, no matter what. And uh, it, it always lives up to the hype. And, uh, you know, uh, you know, my staff, you know, I got a bunch of, you know, like like we said, you know, a lot of Gamecock, you know, former Gamecocks that, that coach on the staff and stuff like that. But I'm going to tell you what, I got – me and Markel Willis are Somerville guys, and mm. we got another coach on staff, Matthew Harkness, who played at Berkeley. So, there have been some heated little conversations this week in our uh, coach's office and uh, <laughs> a lot of frowns at each other. Man, we don't talk to each other, man. I tell you, you know. Told uh, you know me and Markel told Matthew, said, man, we ain't talking to you this week. You know, we're not communicating. You know, there ain't, ain't no love here this week. <laughs> You know, just and, and that's how the rivalry is. You know, it's a, you know, it's just a, it's a great right. You know, people in our community don't like the people in Musk Corner. You know, several community Musk Corner they don't like each other. You know, they're not supposed to because of uh, you know, that's what high right. school football to me. High school football rivalries are all about. And Friday night lights or or games like this, and uh, you know, uh, and, and it's one of those games that everybody around the state's got their eye on. You know, and uh, it, it's kind of lived, you know, built that way all the way. Man, one of the best pictures I have is of uh, my granddad and Coach Moody, you know, taking a knee before the game day, you know, took a picture together. Man, that's just a lifetime picture, you know. So, it's a uh, mm. man, just uh, all the great names that have come through it, you know, and, and still, you know, listed off a few of them. And like you said, you could go on and on about the names on both sides of this rivalry. But it's a, uh, it's a special rivalry, man. It's, uh, you know, uh, I enjoy being a part of it. But, man, it's, it's kind of – I told, told uh, 
uh, Randy Robinson. I, I told him, I said, man, it's going to be, be kind of weird not being a part of Rivalry. I said, but, man, it's going to be, be fun kind of looking in from the outside at it now and, uh, you know, coming at it from a, from a fan rather than somebody who's right in the midst, midst of it, you know, having to prepare for those guys, uh, you know, um, you know, on a, on a Friday night, you know, in, in some years, you know, it, it happens twice, you know, like you said, a couple of years ago, we had to play them in the playoffs as well. So, but uh, man, I know it's right. going to be a great game and to have it right there at Somerville is going to be awesome. Yeah, it is. Coach, uh, we're wishing you the best of luck. I'll send Eugene over there to keep an eye on you. And of course, uh, Gray on Friday night, tell your land sharks uh, from me to them. Uh, we wish them a, a safe uh, and enjoyable, but yet a very competitive with a great sportsmanship game come Friday night. And of course, you and I will recap it next week. Coach, you know the role. You win the game, you get back in next week. If not, I may bend that rule and bring you back anyway because there's a lot of football. Heck, I might even get you to co- help co-host one if you don't play the following week, Coach. But uh, wish you the best. Tell the family I said hello. And until next time, God bless you. All right, man. God bless you too, guys. We'll see you. All right, there you go, ladies and gentlemen. That is the head coach. He is the bull shark of the land sharks of Oceanside. They are sitting nice and comfortable in five. and know they are the number one seed going forward into the playoffs. It won't happen for a couple of weeks, by the way. And they'll play all their games at a place called Johnson Higgins Stadium. You ever heard of it? Well, you should have. That's where the Citadel Bulldogs play, and so does the land sharks. And uh, Coach Call will be uh, bringing it on a big stage on Friday night. We got to go to break. We're waiting for Coach Adam Holmes. He is the head football coach, the athletic director of our great collegiate. He's going to join us right out of this break. We'll give a nice intro once he jumps in. Until then, hour three is on the way. Man, oh, man, have we got two hours in the books, Eugene. I'll bring you back up. We're waiting for the head coach from Great Collegiate, Mr. Uh, coach, if I should say, Adam Holmes. will be joining us just in a few. Remember, guys, it is Wednesday night. This is a lot of final tune coming up. He's going to join us here in just a moment. And in, of course, seconds, I know he'll be jumping in here with us. But, you know, a great interview by not one but two great guys. Steven Still, he is the principal over there at Berkeley High School with the Stags doing his thing and talking about that big game coming up on Friday night is one of our big game of the week. Somerville hosting a very good team out of Berkeley County. That is the uh, Stags of Berkeley coming in here from Monk's Corner, South Carolina. Big time 5A football. I would say gridiron matchup, smash mouth football at its best. Now, of course, you'll also be able to keep up with all the action around, uh, well, the Land Sharks as they'll be welcoming in a powerhouse, and I'm telling you, big-time football from, uh, well, Columbia, because who's coming to town? Well, uh, family members they know as great collegiate going to be joining them. That's going to be a really great game, and guess what? Let's get the boxing gloves on because the guest, and that is the coach, the athletic director of great collegiate, Coach 
Adam Holmes. Let's give him an intro. If you smell what the rock is cooking. Ladies and gentlemen, we bring him in in style, and now we welcome him back. That's right. This is not the first time. It's a few times that we've had Coach Holmes join us from Gray Collegiate as the bus is parked out front up in Columbia. Coach, how is your Wednesday night? Welcome back to the show. Well, man, golly, can you can you play that when I walk into my house in front of my wife? That would, uh, <laughs> that would be pretty impressive right there. So, uh, uh, no, I appreciate it, y'all. Uh, no, we, we're uh, – we just actually just leave the school, man. Just uh, we had a big steak dinner for the guys for uh, you know winning the region, going undefeated. You know what I feel is probably the the toughest region in, in Class Two A with us and Batesburg and Newberry and Saluda and all those guys. So uh, I promise those guys if we if we took care of business last Friday night, we'd feed them steak. So we just got done with a big steak dinner and just uh, taking it to the house. Now, Coach, uh, first of all, we want to congratulate you. And all of your team, your coaches, uh, the students, I mean, it's a big group effort when you win the region. The way you guys have won the region, you're undefeated. It is a very good, like you just mentioned, very good, very competitive region of uh, high school football. Don't let that 2A fool you. You guys battle uh, against anybody, anytime, anywhere. And proof in that pudding is that you're coming to Charleston. You're going to hit the road, I-26. You're coming to the lowest part of uh, the low country right there, almost on the peninsula to take on, um, I was told you guys are uh, siblings. It's not a brother or sister. It's called a sibling. And I do know we got Todd Helms listening, so I don't want to cause any riff-raff between the two. But uh, how excited are you to come in here and come down to Charleston and uh, play some lights uh, or some football under the lights on Friday night? Uh, we're excited. Uh, anytime you get the opportunity to come down, one, and play in a great venue like Johnson Haygood um, in a big-time environment like that and uh, – you know, playing a team like Oceanside, um, undefeated, two undefeated teams going at it. Uh, I guess we, you know, like I said, a, a sibling rivalry we got going on right there. Uh, but, you know, just excited about it. You know, Joe's done an amazing job down there uh, in his first year to get those guys, you know, where they are. Um, even with the guys that they lost some big-time players from last year's team, they haven't missed a beat. So, uh, we're excited about it. I mean, I think Joe probably is well that, you know, for me, this is, you know, we, we've been battle-tested through the region, and and this is only going to help us get prepared, you know, as we move into playoffs, you know, with when when, when they start in playoffs now and it's one versus two seeds in the first round, you know, there's no cupcakes out there. you got, you got to bring a lunch pay along in that first round. So a game like this will just, you know, only get us more ready to, uh, to try to make a run in, in Class 2A. We're live right now with the uh, head coach, athletic director from Great Collegiate. These guys are region champions over there in their 2A division, or region, if you will, after a big win this past Friday night. But this Friday, they come down to the low country where they'll see the likes of the Bull Sharks, Joe Call, and the Land Sharks. It is a, uh, I got to say, two heavyweight matchups between uh, two big giants in, in their own way, Coach. When you look at this thing and you look at this game, 
You know, to scheme a, a team like the, the Land Sharks, do they match up against anybody like you've seen all year? I know you've seen multiple offensive teams because I saw your region before uh, we brought you in on the show uh, just moments ago, and it seems like you've got a very good variety of offensive teams within your region. Does that kind of help you? I would imagine so. Get ready for a team like Oceanside. Yeah, Rich, I mean, you know uh... – one, their offensive line is huge. <laughs> Those two tackles are, are really good, and, and they come right at you. Um, you know, Newberry w- w- is a big physical team. You know, they're they're coming down from three A to two A. You know, so last week we saw a lot of you know power and ISO encounter. So hopefully they get this prepared. But you know, they just do such a good job. You know, up front offensively, and, and with the running backs, the both running backs they got, their quarterback has done a great job of stepping in and, and kind of distributing the football around. Uh, defensively, they're they're very sound. You know, Coach Alford, me and him go way back. Uh, we coached together back at, at Orangeburg Prep when I got my first job, and, and I hired him on, and he's he moved on and, and did amazing things as a head coach now back in Charleston as a DC. You just see him very sound, doing a lot of different things, a lot of multiple fronts, uh, give you different um, coverages that you got to be prepared for. So um, it, it, I think it's just going to be a great matchup. You know, we got some guys that we feel like can condition things. So and, again, we're just excited about it to be able to come down there and play a great venue and just play a good football team. We're live right now with head football coach, athletic director from Gray, Courtley. They'll be taking on uh, their uh, sibling over at uh, Johnson Haygood Stadium. The kickoff is 730. You will find all of the action right here on SO Sports Central. Eugene will be in-house tweeting it out from play to play, from time to time, and until the final zero hits that clock, we got you covered on one of our game of the weeks here in the low country. Now, Coach, tell me, I, I looked at a lot of your roster, and I see a lot of impressive guys, but this is not an unfamiliar conversation as you guys just continue just to put dogs out and around. But before we talk about some of the guys that you had last year, you know, let's talk about the guys you have this year. Give me some of the big names from your uh, – we'll start on the defense. I, I think that these guys are – with some of the shutouts that they've been given. Uh, tell me about some of the big guys over there on your side, and then we'll go from uh, that to special teams of fillings up on the uh, offense, Coach. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, I think that's one of the biggest differences from, from this year's team to last year's team. You know, we, we had eight new stars on defense last year, and uh, I think in, in some of the bigger games, especially against Abbeville, um, you know, that kind of hurts a little bit. They were able to kind of – pound us here and there, but, you know, a lot of these guys are back, and, and our front four have done a good job, led by our senior uh, nose guard, Jaquel Scott. Um, he's kind of the leader up there. He gets the defense lined up on, you know, strong side, weak side. Um, also, Kamara Johnson uh, was an all-region player last year, uh, a physical kid, quick kid off the edge, um, can rush the passer. Uh, you know, he's only about 210, but he can, you know, he can hunker down and, and take on some guys um, doing some things there. Um, Lionel Randy is just a sophomore. He he's about two seventy. Uh, he played for us last year as a freshman, so he got some valuable stamps and uh yeah, he stepped up his game and then you know, really got better at the linebacker position. Uh Zach Glenn in the middle as a junior. Um he, he's he's back from injury last year. He didn't he didn't play for us all last year for the Aggieville game and he came in and had like fourteen tackles against those guys, so he's done a great job and, and Jordan Robinson who's just a sophomore, he played for us at linebacker last year, so He's only getting better. And uh, a new guy that's really come out, he's a start point guard for our you know, three-time state championship basketball team, Tory Kelly. Um, man, what a physical kid. Comes down, I think he had 15 tackles against Newberry last week. Uh, he's been a big pickup for us. And then and in the secondary, I think 
you know, that's kind of some things that we, where we've kind of strengthened a little bit. Uh, Chris Rudd, who's uh, you know, 6'3", 195 pounds, also plays well at receiver four. So, you know, he's got multiple offers right now from Georgia State and Coastal Carolina. Um, is kind of our leader back there. Uh, two brothers, uh, Russell Bronson and Justin Bronson, uh, a sophomore and a junior. Uh, Russell leads the team right now with, with uh, three interceptions, and, and Justin's kind of our safety. He comes down and, and can really fill the gap. He likes to hit. And then another guy who's really done a good job for us at, uh, at corner, uh, a senior, Justin Morton. He's really um, finally getting this opportunity to get on the field, uh, really work hard in the offseason, even doing all the COVID, all seeing films of him. Um, so, again, I think that's been a bigger difference for us this year um, where we, we've really strengthened on the defense side of the football. Now, Coach, we start looking at some of the offensive guys, and it seems like even though there was a guy, very familiar last name in Helms, who's now, by the way, a quarterback and already showing off a little bit of that uh, great talent in the next level, uh, you guys haven't skipped a beat really in the offense with his leadership, the new quarterback that's taken the Helms. No pun intended there at the quarterback position, but tell me a little bit about your big guys on the front line and those big wide receivers. And you start to kind of look at some of those things as well, Coach. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, our offense really has kind of uh, kind of been centered around our running back, Casey Adams, who, you know, I, I just put him up against anybody. You know, he, he's got right now over 1,000 yards. Um, uh, last week against Newberry, a very big physical team. I mean, they loaded the box on us, and, and we were still able to – to do great things. He had uh, 25 rushes for 329 yards and four touchdowns. So just uh, one of the most uh, electric guys. I've never seen lateral movement like he has. Um, just a special, special talent, and, and, and teams are going to get on him quick. Uh, but, it, you know, up front, too, as well. Um, you know, our guys are, are too savvy up there as well. Uh, you know, Chaz Adams starts force at left, left tackle. Um, you know, he, he's about 6'3", 270. Um, our left guard is uh, Elijah Young. Uh, big physical kid, likes to lock in. He's about 6'4", 320. Uh, A.J. Johnson has been our leader. He started since he's a freshman. He's a junior since third year. Uh, and he's 6'2", 285. Uh, really athletic kid to, to be so big. And that right guard, uh, Treshawn Green, uh, he's 6'1", 305. Um, he's another guy that's really gotten better over the offseason, gotten his opportunity now to play. And then at right tackle, uh, Wesley Lork uh, played guard for us last year, but uh, using his athleticism a little bit more, he, he's kind of stepped up out there. And he's, you know, Wesley's about 6'4", 260. So, again, uh, as good as KZ is, you know, offensive line has done a really good job. Uh, coached by Corey Helms, uh, you know, a guy who, who played at South Carolina, played in the NFL, uh, was a strength and conditioning coach at USC, and, and he's really done a good job with those guys. And then out wide, uh, I already talked about Chris Rohn. Uh, he's kind of our leading receiver right now. Uh, like I said, he's 6'3", 195, really electric with the ball in his hands, a fast kid uh, who can really, if he, if, if he gets an upfield, he's going to run away from you. Uh, then another senior uh, wide receiver, Nakeem Smith, who's, who's 6'5". He's kind of our bigger guy. Uh, he um, you know, has, has done a good job for us. He's been a three-year starter for us. And then the slot, uh, Devin Johnson, uh, kind of a, a smaller, skiftier guy, uh, but can, can do things for you, you know, uh, as a slot guy over the middle, he's had some big catches for us. And then kind of a guy who's really just, you know, been a guy that has really worked hard and, and is kind of that go-to guy here and there, uh, Gary Monroe. Um, he's just kind of been our workhorse mentality. He gets all the receivers lined up, makes sure uh, he knows where, where everybody needs to be. And uh, just as I'm proud of Gary for how hard he's worked. Now, Coach, we talked about special guys doing special things, but I kind of think with this new COVID situation and the lack of uh, maybe preparation that special teams are going to be a big 
conversation as we get deeper into the playoffs because it's going to come down to that field goal or that guy able to kick it back into the end zone to keep these guys from running it back and putting six on the board. Tell me about that guy over there for you. It seems like you've got some special teams that do some special things as well, Coach. Well, we do, and and let me also. I'm sorry, I apologize. I didn't, you know, I left out our trigger my trigger man there, our quarterback uh, Trey Robinson. Uh, you know, Trey is a, an athletic kid, uh, six three, uh, 190 pounds. Um, brings more of a dual threat. You know, he he's def, definitely different than Hunter. Um, you know, you can't replace a guy like Hunter Hounds, but but Trey brings the athleticism a little bit more. So you know, teams try to key, key on KZ, then you know Trey's Trey's able to uh, pull her on the backside, read that backside in, or or do some quarterback runs. So uh, Trey Trey's also a big part of our offense. But when you go to special teams, um, our kicker uh, Rivers Teeter, uh, Rivers is a basketball player. When you see him, he, he's about almost six seven. Um, does, has done a good job for us on kickoffs, and uh, you know, he's also our punter as well. Uh, Sean Anderson is our field goal kicker. Uh, comes in, does our extra points and field goals. Uh, yeah, I mean this this game. You know, past couple of years have been. You know, it was a seven point game last year, and the year before uh, we went for two to uh, to win it and uh, didn't get it. Um, you know, we we've given off uh, we've given up two kickoff coverages uh, on in each one of those games. Where I think last year we we battled back and tied it up thirty five thirty five, and and we give up a kickoff return for a touchdown and. And two years prior, you know, we were up, I think, 19-13 at half and opening kickoff. Um, we kick it down to like the one, they fumble it, and uh, we just can't get it down, kind of like how South Carolina did, and he returned it. So special teams is one of three phases that you got to win. You know, that we, we talk all, every day about it. You got you know, you got offense, defense, special teams, and, and pretty much win a football game, you got to win two or three. And special teams is one where you can kind of pick up some uh, advantages here and there. So uh, we, we've got definitely been working on some things in our cover schemes, and and doing some things to make sure our guys are going to be ready. We're live right now with the athletic director, the head football coach. He probably does multiple things on top of those as well, and that is Coach Adam Holmes. He joins us here on uh, another night. This is not, again, his first visit here on the show as we have the bus pulled up in Columbia Great Collegiate. Talking about the big game coming up on Friday night, these guys will be making that trip. They'll be heading eastbound on I-26. They'll find themselves at 7.30 with kickoff at Johnson Hagen Stadium, taking on a, uh, a family member of theirs. Of course, uh, some friendly fire, if you will, will be taking place in between the lines on Friday night between Oceanside and Gray Collegiate. It's going to be a good matchup if you in and around the low country. That's a game you might want to venture to because many of the media, along with Eugene, representing Southern Sports Central, will be in-house, in attendance, and you can follow the game at SO Sports Central for all of the scores, the big runs, and a few touchdowns. Eugene will get that camera up and moving as well, so don't miss any of the action. Now, Coach, before I get you on uh, maybe some comparison between you and Coach Call, that I think is going to be uh, a did-you-know part of the end of the, sh- the segment here, Coach, let's talk about some of the big dudes that you have coached and you've seen. One of those is, uh, well, Mr. Helms, he's a five-star guy. I met him, by the way, last year for the first time as uh, Oceanside was playing in, uh, I believe, the third round where they had hit the road. And I think Hunter and a couple of your guys had headed over to watch that big game. And uh, first-class kid, not surprised. I know his dad very well as he's a big supporter and opens all of his uh, campuses up to us here at Southern Sports Central. But, Tell me a little about some of the guys that you've kind of seen come through your program and you see them growing as men in the community and on football fields across the country. 
Well, you know, I can't start without starting out what Hunter's done, you know, at Clemson already. Um, broke every passing record uh, at Great Collegiate. Uh, I'm thinking through for um, close to 10,000 yards, I think 100 touchdowns. Um, just one of the kids that just – he will work harder than anybody I know. Um, I think that's what, you know, the coaches have really um, – have, have contacted me about Coach Streeter and, and Dabo, just, just uh, Hunter's work ethic. And I think his work ethic is what's gotten him, you know, some playing time so quickly. And uh, just proud of him and, and, and his endeavor to go up there, you know, turning down full rides to other schools. And, you know, that was his dream school. And, uh, you know, I, I couldn't couldn't tell him no. I mean, I had a dream school to go play at South Carolina, and I walked on myself and, and earned, earned a scholarship. And, uh, you know, he, he's kind of doing his own thing as well. But, you know, he he was picked, you know, hand picked from Clemson. I think there was three quarterbacks. They were they were taking one preferred walk on, and um, <clears throat> excuse me, there was three of them there looking at across the uh, the whole the whole uh, country, and uh, they chose Hunter. And I think they're excited about it. He's done a great job. Uh, we also uh, a wide receiver from last year, uh, Marion Donaldson. Uh, I believe he had over 1,700 yards receiving for us. Uh, he's down in South Florida, and uh, he's starting right now. Uh, the past two games as well, uh, he's been the lead receiver for, for the Bulls down there for Jeff Scott. So, Amara has done a great job. Um, now we had uh, two years ago, uh, Dallas Corbett. Uh, Dallas is uh, is playing down at Central Florida. Uh, Dallas was a basketball kid when we had him for a year. Uh, Dallas was about 6'6", 245, and ran a 4'6", 40, and had like a 40-inch vertical. And uh, we got him out of the football field, and he went down to one of those satellite camps. We'd only probably practice three times, and he came away with that three division one offer. So uh, he's a kid who went and played the shrine ball. I uh, did a great job. He's, he got registered. Uh, they're trying to put a little bit more weight on him. He's got in some games. So uh, those guys have, have done a good job. But um, those are three that really kind of come through uh, that we've had a lot more. Uh, Caleb Moore's playing limestone from last year, offensive line. Noah Powell's a Presbyterian. Uh, Weston McLeod's a South Carolina State. Um, and those are all from just last year's team. So the uh, guys have just you know, done a great job, and, and what our school is able to provide for, for these young men to to get so much college credit. I think that's what these recruiters come in and see that, you know, hey, our guys are, are taking college classes, and, and they know that when they come to college, they're going to be academically ready, you know, to, to face some of these challenges that uh, that they're going to face as freshmen and because our guys are already taking, you know, all these hours that um, – all these college hours. So um, I think that's another thing that's that's great about being at Grand School like Oceanside where – these guys are getting college ready uh, in the classroom even before they head off to college. Yeah, I agree with you, Coach. And that's the one thing we didn't uh, give uh, the opportunity to uh, to thank Coach Call and all of those over there, along with his athletic director, which you are also the athletic director. So I'm going to thank you as well as uh, their athletic director and anybody who's got their hands on these athletes to come through because while you guys are still doing 5-0 and style things on the football field, you're also 5-0 and or if not multiple more wins than that going into the classroom. You guys, your graduation rate is way up high. Your uh, ability to get kids at the next level, and that's not just talking sports, it's talking life, is uh, incredible. The numbers that you guys continue to put out in and around the communities and around, of course, uh, the athletic world as well. Now, Coach, the final thing that I want to kind of talk a little bit about, I think the last time you were and I had a conversation, you've got a young man that plays baseball, right? I know you're a football guy, but isn't your young guy, isn't he a baseball player? There, well, yeah, I've got three of them. You know, my oldest, he's a, he's a freshman with me right now. He's he's playing baseball. He's actually on the JV team. 
Uh, he's he's had a couple catches this fall. And hey, you know our our JV teams are going out tomorrow night. Both those teams are on the feet as well, so they're coming right. up to us tomorrow. So that's going to be a little fun. So yeah, I mean you got two programs where you got a varsity team and a JV team undefeated. So I just think that speaks volumes wow. for for what we've been able to do and what Joe's been able to do down there um, and getting those guys. But I heard you talk a little bit, you know about. Uh, Carolina, there's a lot of Carolina guys you know, involved in this in this uh, game. Uh, you know, <laughs> myself and uh, Corey Helms, uh, you know, Jacob Aldis, uh, who played tight end a couple years back, and is on our staff. Uh, and then obviously down there, you got Willie Offord, who me and Willie played together at Carolina. And then Antoine Rivens, right. who played offensive line. And then Casey Crosby, you know, is down there working with those guys. So we got a little little gamecock action going on. So. Might, there might be a little a little swag talking between the two uh, two coaching staffs there. Should be a lot of fun. Now the one thing, and again, I, I don't know why it's hitting me, coach, that that you have a, a son that plays baseball who's a lefty. I don't know why that's that, that's for some reason hit, hitting my conversation. The reason I bring that up, if it's true, here's kind of a did you know? Coach Call actually has a young fella who is quite the gunslinger. He's a young fella. He's in his middle school days, but he's also a lefty. So maybe you guys, if I'm if I'm right, that's a pretty neat comparison. <laughs> When it comes down to a house that uh, you guys are football guys, but you got some pretty stud yeah. baseball players. Yeah, you, well, you're right. Yeah, I think when we were talking, I think the first time we talked, I was at a baseball field. My youngest, he is, uh, he's ten. He is a lefty. He's a left-handed pitcher and he's a left-handed batter and plays first base. Uh, my my middle my middle child, uh, Caleb, is uh, he's a right. You know, he throws right-handed but bats left-handed. Uh, and then my oldest, uh, Connor, he's he, he's all right-handed. So, yeah, you are right on that that end. And then my youngest, Hayes, he's the one that does kind of like to sling the football around a little bit. So, we got to keep working with him on that. But, uh, yeah, that is that is a fun comparison. You know, baseball is a sport that, you know, all these kids love to play. But I think as they get older, I know uh, my oldest, Connor's really enjoyed this year at the JV level. And uh, that's really kind of uh, fitting him very well. Well, Coach, I want to say on behalf of all of us to you, man, we appreciate the love and the support of Southern Sports Central, the ability for us to just come in and be a part of, you know, your program. You're doing it the right way, and those are the type of programs. I know Coach Helms is listening, and he knows firsthand if you're doing it the right way, then you're good with me all day long. And We look forward to seeing you Friday night. I won't get the opportunity. I'll be giving the call for the Fort Dorchester Wando game over there at FD Sports TV, but I do have a guy that's going to be – ready to give you a fist bump, and thank you for joining us tonight. And then I'll reach out to you off the air at some point here in the next few days just to kind of catch up and, and uh, just kind of see how life's treating you, buddy. Well, you got it, man. I appreciate y'all. Like I said, the coverage that y'all do uh, down that way. Again, it, it should be a great game. Uh, I know I'll see Eugene down there, and we'll talk. But, uh, yeah, two good teams going at it, uh, two first-class programs. You know, kind of, like I said, we're in year seven, and, and trying to get it to, to this point is – you know, football is kind of something that's not easy to, to build, and, and it took some time. You know, we were the first ones to kind of the guinea pigs gray. You know, we, we started out early, and then OSA came around, and, and they were able to turn around quick last year with Coach Greer and then know what Joe's doing. So, what is the thing about our schools? I know uh, Joe is as well, and, uh, you know, that both programs are, uh, you know, we'll believe ranked number two in state 2A, and I know they're, the, I think, top five, I think, last time I saw so. Two good programs that are really you know, doing good things in, in both classifications, and uh, just looking for a good, fun football game uh, tomorrow, uh, Friday night. All right, Coach. Well, best of luck to you. Safe travels by all means. Good sportsmanship throughout tomorrow, our Friday night's ball game, and safe travels back. And again, we look forward to cap- catching up with you. Uh, if you kind of after the game is all said and done, I'm going to send you a message and invite one of your playmakers, your your player of the game, hopefully, could join us next week. 
kind of recap the, the, the weekend that was. And, of course, uh, we can talk a little football with one of your ballers as uh, this season will continue after this Friday night, Coach. That sounds great, Rico. Really appreciate it, man. Uh, thanks again for, like I said, all y'all do for, for uh, high school sports. You got it, buddy. God bless you and your family. We'll see you soon. Thank you. All right, there you go, ladies and gentlemen. That is the athletic director, the head football coach. He's probably picked up a few things of trash around the campus. Heck, he's probably even mopped the floors. I'm sure he's cut some grass, so he's probably got about nine different hats. But tonight, oh, he was our guest of our number three to start it all off. And, of course, our, well, fourth guest of the night. We got one more, as long as Loco Sports didn't get too wrapped up and busy because, boy, oh, boy, did the beat writers. These guys don't never sleep. But guess what? They're joining us next right out of this. The pack is back right here on Southern Sports Central. Hour three, we're halfway home into it. Coming up next, it's Loco Sports time right here on Southern Sports Central. I'm doing great. How are you? Man, if I was any better, 
I got to be honest with you. You just say I'm in the Bahamas or I'm sitting somewhere else, but I like where I'm sitting, man. I like being in South Carolina because we're talking high school Friday night lights and ain't nobody else gets the excitement that we get. Well, of course, there's a few states to do, but I know in North Carolina, Virginia, and a few other states, they wish they were living here, and they may say they were here and not there. But that being said, man, how about the breaking news out of Buford? The boys are heading up to the Grand Strand to take on Carolina Forest, which is the guy that's going to do the show with me tomorrow night up there in, uh, in Myrtle Beach. What's your thoughts of them taking a road trip uh, with all this craziness going on? Yeah, so actually Buford was supposed to play Hilton Head this week uh, at Hilton Head High School, but of course uh, uh, after Seahawks tested positive for COVID-19 last week, uh, uh, the game in the previous week uh, against Mid River was canceled, and so was uh, this week's, this Friday's contest against Buford. So uh, the, the Eagles were looking for an opponent, and, and boy, did they get a good one this Friday. Carolina forced the Panthers with a matchup that's going to be uh, uh, well done to Bryce Lyburn to, to, to pick up his opponent quickly. Uh, you know, uh, Buford's, they've been rolling through this region. They blew out May River, who was their biggest competition. They, they uh, were just too good for, for pretty much every team in, in Region 7-4A. So you, that will test you. And Carolina Forest uh, certainly fits that bill. It, it, I think it's going to be a great, uh, really beneficial matchup for both teams. Uh, Buford's still unbeaten. Uh, they, they, their offense has been outstanding with Tyler Haley, who's been probably the, the, the best quarterback in the low country so far. I mean, Ahmad Green's a fantastic runner, but all around, if you got to choose one guy uh, to, to play your quarterback here from the low country, Tyler Haley has been outstanding. Um, his arm has just been uh, su- superb this year. Um, his accuracy has been outstanding and, and just uh, made some really, really big throws uh, this season, especially in the over May River. And, uh, boy, is, is he, he, he's uh, maintaining a fantastic touchdown-to-interception ratio uh, that, that that really shows how much he's improved this year. Um, a guy who came back from, from injury, um, he had to miss the last half of last season, and, and he has been spectacular in this abbreviated campaign. Uh, the defense is, is even better, I think, for Buford uh, with that, that strong defensive line uh, featuring some, some college prospects like Demon Small. So uh, uh, Carolina Forest, they're going to get a tough test here with Buford. This is a team that's uh, been dialed in all season long. As I said, uh, pretty much blew out the, the, the region test that they had, and, and that May River game was not even close. May River was their strongest threat um, in that region. And so, I mean, Carolina Forest, uh, they, they've really got some strong players. Uh, uh, we've seen them have, have had some really nice success uh, beating Conway, beating St. James, crushing them 70-28. to 28. Uh, Had a rough start to that game, but uh, the defense uh, fueled them there, and then they uh, ran away with it in, in the second half. And uh, tough loss to something 34-27 earlier in the season. But I, I got to say, Carolina Forest is looking one of, like one of the better teams in, in, in 5A and one of the best teams in the state. Uh, Luke Janik is unbelievable. Uh, a couple rushing scores he picked up um, against St. James. Uh, I mean, he's going to be a really, really tough uh, – that's going to be a great matchup between Janik and that, and that Buford defensive line. I'm excited to see how that goes. It's going to be a great battle in the trenches. And, and Luke Janik, it's, it's – uh, that, you don't get many tougher tests than, than that Buford D-line. That's going to be a great matchup. Uh, and then quarterback Kyle Watkins, uh, you know, Buford secondary did that much this year. Uh, uh, this is a, a, a prove-it prove game for that, uh, that that secondary, that part of the defense, because Kyle Watkins, he can play quarterback. So we'll have to we'll see. This is going to be a very, very uh, fantastic battle between two outstanding teams who have uh, really, really uh, had strong starts to this season. Uh, and, and Buford's just getting better and better on defense. It's going to be a really tough test for that unproven side of the ball. 
I, I think the Eagles on offense, they should be able to move the ball, but they're, they're going to certainly have a, a difficult challenge out of them. Um, the, the, the Carolina Forest uh, has a legit secondary. We've seen uh, Tyler Haley. He's been outstanding. But, but will he uh, will he play well against uh, some, some elite, uh, very, very elite talent that, that Carolina Forest has to offer? So should be a, a really measuring stick game for both teams. You've ran through this region, but can you can you perform up to a, a, a one of the best teams in all the state? And, and this is kind of a tune-up game. Obviously, um, you want to see see that, that Buford can handle this stiff competition as prepare for the four-way playoffs. So uh, that, it's just fantastic that that Bryce Labin was able. Obviously, uh, you, you you don't want COVID to impact the season, but uh, I think if you're Buford, you, you got to be uh, excited that you get this opportunity to play a top-tier team because you really haven't had that competition. It really had had the chance to to play a really, really solid team yet, and this is going to really provide a great litmus test to see how prepared you are for the postseason. Yeah, I agree with you. We're live right now with Wes Kerr, of course, with Loco Sports, talking about this big matchup. Kane, because of the situation that is, we don't use the word often, but because of COVID, it and now put up a uh, top 10 team in 5A football, and you go all the way down to some – for a football to find out exactly uh, what they'll be going up against. Uh, you know, I know you guys are in the top in, this, in, in 4A football, a heavyweight matchup. And, again, my question is there's a man that plays defensive back for that of Buford. I've had him on this show before. I know a guy that trains him in the offseason, and I've had a chance to get to know him personally. Is he back, and will he travel with the team to battle out on Friday night? Yeah, that's uh, up in the air. Uh, that, that that guy who's been he's been trying to repair to come back, and uh, uh, I, I believe you're talking about Daryl DePass. Is that correct? Yes, sir. Yeah, Daryl DePass has, has been an uh, he's he's been a phenomenal piece for for the Buford Eagle defense. Uh, um, they've been really wanting to have him back, and uh, I, I don't expect him to play. But uh, I'm I'm thinking this is a guy who who, who Bryce Labing is going to really be excited to have uh, when when the playoffs start. Um, in, in the coming weeks, because uh, I think Buford really needs help. I mean, they got an elite defensive line already, and uh, mm-hmm. that that guy is just a, a really, really nice difference maker. Uh, Daryl the pass, so I, I'm I'm excited to see him come back. Uh, I, I don't think he'll play this week. I think he'll be sitting another one out, but uh, I think he's on the right track to, to getting back to the playoffs. And so uh, I, this, this is another guy. Just Trent, the Buford, Buford's defense has been really good already, but this is another. Uh, another addition to to an already stacked group that that's going to make uh, that that secondary and that pass defense even better, which is really important because they're going to be facing uh, some some great competition as they get further in the playoffs. So uh, it's going to be great to have that guy back. It is going to have uh, a huge impact to get him back. And we're talking about that big matchup against the course, the number ten, the number ten Carolina Fourth Panthers in five A football. They'll play against the number seventeen in 4A football, and that is uh, Buford. The boys from the lower part of the low country, look, they got to get it. They're going to earn it, and they're going to travel to Myrtle Beach to testify about it. Tomorrow night, excuse me, Friday night, 730 kickoff. Brandon Biscobing will bring you the call. We'll tweet it out over there at SO Sports Central. If you would like to listen to the call live, you can do that. He is the voice of the Carolina Force Panthers. Now, there's some other football going on, and there's a few teams uh, you start to think about this, West, that are not playing right now because of certain things. But there's also some realization that, you know what, we're not going to make the playoffs. My question to you guys down there, and I've had a conversation with a coach earlier today that I won't really say. He's not even a low country coach. He's a coach from around the state. 
And he mentioned this, for the smaller schools, right, these guys play multiple sports. They rely on their guys for basketball, wrestling, so on and so forth. My question is to you, are you guys in general? Because I know you guys do a great job with your radio show down there. That being said, do you see some of these schools saying, look, we're having playoffs, basketball season, the dates have already been set, let's just shut it down and let's turn our lights to another season, a different season, and head into the winter with what we got. Yeah, you know, it's interesting. It, it kind of goes to, to what school you're looking at and, and what kind of kids that you have. But I, I think uh, uh, there, there are two different decisions, there are two different options that you're really thinking about. I mean, one, you want to, um, since you've played an abbreviated schedule, you want to make sure you get in a, a more games if possible because you want guys to have a second chance at, at, at getting some wins, especially for teams that are on the outside looking in that are outside, are out of eliminated from playoff contention, like a Bluffton, Bluffton Bobcats, who just uh, didn't go the way they, they wanted it to. It's a, it's a, they're a building program that, I mean, they, they kind of uh, had, had a tough uh, – the, 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 the situation was tough for them because – this is a team that, that lost their starting quarterback from last year and, and also their starting running back uh, or their starting wide receiver um, for Keem White from, from last season. And so there was a lot of rebuilding to be, to, to be done over there at Bluffton. And, uh, it, it, I think they, they certainly have improved from the game to, to, to the end of the season, but uh, it's going to take a, a long time. And, and you just wish that they had more opportunities to, to grow their team. And so you want to you get the, the, those guys more reps. You want to get those guys um, – more, more confidence and, and more opportunities to grow uh, going into the 2021 football season. So uh, there's kind of a school of thought there where you could say, I want to make sure uh, we get more opportunities to play teams and, and, and maybe get a win to kind of motivate ourselves and, and build some confidence going into the next season. But the, there is another side of the coin. And as you said, uh, the, the, some of the, the players uh, do want to, to move on and, and get ready for basketball season, for wrestling season, whatever they have coming their way next. And so, uh, I think that certainly uh, if they can if they can schedule one more game and, and kind of have kind of be like a bowl game where you try to you, you look for another team uh, different area and and you look to get the those your, your team and that team together and, and play one more game and just uh, try to try to build on what you've done this season and finish strong and I think uh, uh, a lot of the guys like they don't like ending on loss they don't want to be over or they want to win a game this season uh, they, they definitely for those seniors you, you want to. You want to end on the, at least have another shot to to get some victories and to play well. So a lot of different sides to, to the coin. Um, so if I'm Bluffton, I'm, I'm 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 they they don't have another game scheduled at this moment. Uh, we'll see if they do play another game. But right now their their season is over. But I would I would definitely hope that, that they're able to find another appointment and, and try to play one more because there are some guys who can really improve and, and get better and, and just. Uh, want, want to keep playing. Uh, I mean, you only play five games. I mean, you only play a lot more in the regular season. So uh, it, there's something to say about uh, wanting to get back out there. And so I, I'm sure a lot of those players, a lot of those coaches uh, want to keep improving their team, and, and they'll try to reach out to other schools to try to do that. Yeah, no doubt as we're live, wrapping it up here with Wes Kerr. He is with Locosports.com. You can follow them at Locosports on Twitter. They do an incredible job covering up all of the action right on that border, if you will, in the southern part. I call it the lower part of the low country where they got a lot of dogs doing a lot of things on multiple teams around that side of the world. One guy that I want to ask you about before I send you off here, and again, uh, thank you so much for hanging out with us as you always do here on Wednesday nights, is uh, a guy down there in Hilton Head Prep, if I'm not mistaken. His name is Trevor Welding. He's doing some special things. You guys keeping up with that guy down there? Absolutely. Uh, he's been a standing kicker for, for him head prep. Uh, 
so uh, he, he he has has been proven so much over the years, and, and I've enjoyed seeing him uh, make an impact as, as a kicker. He's had a fantastic season. Uh, he, he nearly made a forty-plus yarder last week. Uh, just just barely missed it. He's been working so hard, and I've just been really proud to see what he's what he's done this year and how he's improved uh, over the season in Hilton Head Prep. But what what a fantastic victory! And uh, Trevor Weldon making some huge extra points and and. And uh, I, I thought he's, he's just a, a hard worker, and, and his success has really paid off at, at, at a play kicker position for, for 12, Trevor Weldon, uh, an exceptional player, and really enjoyed uh, watching him play uh, so far at prep. And, and now they got a big this coming week uh, against Hilton Ed Christian County. That's a rivalry game, Hilton Ed Prep, Hilton Ed Christian. Uh, prep beat John Paul II last week uh, to, to really uh, cement themselves in the postseason race. Now, they haven't clinched yet. Uh, they, they, they can clinch if, if Eastford Academy uh, beats John Paul II um, and, uh, or if, if Hilton Prep can upset Hilton Christian, but that's going to be a tough task. Uh, so we could get into some crazy three-way tiebreaker, but uh, with the win last week, Prep's got themselves in a really, really, um, really favorable spot for playoff position, so we'll have to see what happens. It's going to be a really dramatic final week of, 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 the, of the South Carolina Independent season for, for for 2A here in, in the low country. Um, so we'll see who, who gets those last playoff spots. But, but uh, going back to Trevor Weldon, he's been a, an outstanding guy to watch. Uh, I, I, I really want to see him uh, continue to succeed and continue to, to uh, keep his play going this year. And, and he's been a valuable weapon for Hilton Head Prep. Uh, it's so important when you have that kicker who can deliver and kick those extra points. No doubt, Wes, man, as always, my friend, you do an incredible job. All of you guys down there, and Loco Sports uh, do just a jam-up job loving on those young guys and a few girls possibly around the football teams around there in that lower part of the low country. Skis, of course, full schedule, by the way. These guys started on time, and they'll finish on time, it looks like, and they're going to do all of the games and maybe a few more if they get in the playoffs. Wes, before we send you, man, how do they find you? How do they locate you? And tell us a little bit about that podcast that you guys keep turning out. It seems like five star every time you hit the game play. Absolutely. So we we put up five podcasts a week, two football recaps, two football previews, and we also do an interview show where we're catching up with uh, some state champs and state champion golfers uh, who just uh, clinched a a big title, the May River Girls. Congratulations to them. We're going to be catching up with them tomorrow. We're going to be putting that podcast out by the end of the week. And, of course, as I said, previewing all the football matchups, recapping all the football matchups, five episodes a week. And we got all the stories, all the uh, recaps, and, and all the things you want on LocoSports.com. Go over there, look at the podcast, and, and you can also get listen to the podcast on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. So our Loco Sports Lowdown Podcast, five a week. Check out all of our recaps. Check out all of our content on LocoSports.com. Man, you hear the excitement. All of a sudden, he became – not just a breaker downer, he became a game changer. I mean, he talks about that passion, man. When you do what you love, oh, does your voice change and do you promote it just a little bit easier? And I got to tell you, Wes, I love working with you guys. Still working on it with you two guys. I got to get y'all over here and at least give me one show. I'm not greedy. I don't need five unless you got five you want to give me. But I'd love to have the chance. And, you're, and your guy already knows this conversation's coming. It's already happened once. But I'd love to have the chance of putting you guys right here on our network along with our great team here to just make us that much better, that much stronger. We like to say we're the NWO of sports radio, kind of the Avengers, if you will, of the takeover of the state of South Carolina. And we need it, man. We got to have it like that cowbell. We got to get more of that right here on this show and more. So, again, thanks for what you do, Wes. We'll talk to you soon, my friend. 
Thank you so much. Always a pleasure. Ladies and gentlemen, when you get guys like Wes Kerr from locosports.com, you know you're living right, you're doing right. And I do want to take a moment to thank him and those teams down there in the lower part of the low country. We're all going in the same direction. We're just hanging out in different cars, but we're going down 17, if you will, to handle the business from the low country to the lower part of the low country, all the way up to the Grand Strand, to the Midlands. And, yep, we hung out earlier this past week in the upstate. Now, I also want to say this. We want to thank all of our guests tonight because without these guys, you know, we're just an average bunch of Joes here. And that's the last thing that we're going to do here on Southern Sports Central. We're going to bring you what you want what you need and what you can understand, and that is guys like David Shelton. He works with the Post and Courier. He covers it across the great state of South Carolina doing some things. But quite frankly, you couldn't imagine it when this whole thing started that we would be blessed with so many great guys like David Shelton. And then at 7 o'clock, we headed to the principal's office all the way to Berkeley, and that is in Monk's Corner, South Carolina, 5A football and athletics at its best. They've got Coach Cox doing the baseball thing. You know they got Randy Robinson over there doing his football thing. They'll be taking the Stags over there to uh, Somerville, 730 kickoff over there at a legendary field doing some legendary things. There'll be some new guys that will be handwritten into this book of history between the two great programs at 7.30 and in sometime around 10.30. We'll have some uh, tweets going out over there at SO Sports Central throughout that game as well. But it was uh, the coach and the principal, if you will, Stephen Steele, joined us. And I did get a zinger on Twitter from Joey Steele. He's the offensive coach over there, offensive line coach at the fort. He let him know you are not the real Coach Steele. We'll take about that. We'll table it and talk about it next week. Also, it was uh, the bull shark. He is the bull shark over there with Oceanside. Coach Joe Call joined us at 730-ish. And I say ish because we went a little long there with the principal as we took a minute to get out of his office. Never a good thing, but it was a good thing tonight. But yet, it was Coach Call that talked about his impressive 5-0 and season as they're playing it in a place that he's very familiar with. He was a quarterback over with the Citadel, and now he's coaching a team they get to call that place home over Johnson Haygood Stadium, and they'll be playing against Gray Collegiate, which, what a coincidence. Their head coach, also is the athletic director, Adam Holmes joins us, a former Gamecock, current head football coach over at Gray Collegiate. They'll be going head-to-head. It's 2A versus 3A. It's two 5A programs that are well-connected with many ways, and they like to call themselves siblings, but I'm sure off the mic the conversation might be different. But we do want to thank Coach Adam Holmes for joining us tonight, updating us, educating us, and entertaining us on his team that's doing impressive things. They have won their region along with uh, Oceanside. So both of these collegiate programs doing things in, around, and on the football field. That also, of course, was followed by our final guest here, and that is Wes Kerr from Loco Sports, who did, as always, representing the lower part of the low country right here on Southern Sports Central. You can find them usually an hour number three, right here on Wednesday night. And as always, we appreciate all of their work to help us cover everybody across the great state of South Carolina. This is the one-stop shop when it comes to high school sports, as well as college football. And we talked some NFL. And, oh, did I mention, by the way, Eugene, I bring you back. Congratulations to myself. I know Reggie's a little bitter right now. He's probably drinking a little bit of bitter tea because his uh, Giants did the same thing that I did last night and watch my Dodgers win, well, World Series.
Well, with that being said, I was going to bring Eugene in. He might have uh, been tweeting all of this, or nevertheless, I caught him off guard. But I will say this. It is going to be another great night of football coming up on Friday night. But don't wait until Friday. I encourage you to go out and support the guys if they haven't hit their max capacity on Thursday nights because the JV and the B team guys, well, their days are numbered. They've either got their final game coming up this Thursday night or maybe next Thursday night. But either way, that is the pipeline that goes through that of, of course, your varsity program. And then if you're down here in the low country, let me welcome you out to a game that Southern Sports Central will bring in you the call of the youth program. It is our game of the week Saturday night. We'll be over at the Fort. That's right, Fort Winchester is going to open up Bagwell Stadium for a big time, I mean a big time SEC style football. What do I mean by that? Well, we are partnered with and supporting the South Carolina Youth Football Association. And Jay Williams, the commissioner who has been on here multiple times, will probably join us again, by the way, on Monday night. Stay tuned for that. That being said, they will have a mega matchup over there in North Charleston between two big times. It is going to be a rivalry, trust and believe me, between the North Charleston Raiders and that of the Fort Dorchester Patriots. Oh, the Little Patriots will be putting it down on Saturday night. The first game is the 8U. That kicks off at 4 o'clock and then around 5.30-ish. I say that with a little bit of optimism. The 10U in the game that will be televised, excuse me, will be, well, on the radio here will be the 12U guys. And that, of course, will be, with 12U North Charleston Raiders taking on the 12U, well, Fort Dorchester Patriots. It is our game of the week right here on Southern Sport Central. Now, tomorrow night, it is the takeover of the South Carolina High School Blitz with not one, not two, but the trifecta. Brandon Biscobing will be directing the show tomorrow night in the Myrtle Beach studios as he'll be giving us all the ins and outs of three solid hours of sports radio I'll be jumping in for an hour. Eugene will jump in for a solid hour or so. And then we'll have a few guests lined up with him as well. Eugene, you did a great job tonight, my friend. I know you can follow us on Twitter at SO Sports Central and on Facebook at Southern Sports Central as well. Eugene, man, appreciate all that you continue to do, buddy, behind the scenes and just keeping us up to date with all the goodness that's happening around the world of sports, man. All right, guys, so what we'll do now is we will uh, head to break. Uh, we'll actually wrap it up here. I'm not sure if Eugene's able to pick us up or not there on the other end as uh, he's, uh, or what have you, I believe he might have muted his mic there in the studio. Eugene, I got you, buddy. Yeah, man, I guess the uh, the, the, the uh, wires must have gotten crossed and I got muted. But uh, actually, the first time I muted myself, I actually, uh, while we were talking, I got a DM from a uh, big school out west, BYU, and actually, the uh, special teams coach just DM me and said, "Hey, man, uh, I know you got a bunch of guys. Can you send me some names?" And I was like, "Yes, sir. Let me do that." So, uh, anyway, buddy, uh, thank you for everything, and uh, I just really love having the coaches on, and of course, uh, Principal Steele on. Man, that was some great fun uh, having these guys on. You know, the rivalry lives on, no matter who's the head coach and who's playing on the field. You know, because it's about the community, it's about who they represent, it's about the jersey, and I just loved it, man. Having Coach Call, Coach Adams. Uh, local sports catching us up uh, all that you do and i know it's going to be a great friday and thursday night for us and uh looking forward to the big guy yeah it's going to be a great one here guys we do want to thank all of our listeners all the supporters everybody who does what they do 
so that we can do what we do, guys. On behalf of all of us, to all of you, don't forget tomorrow night, it is kickoff time at 6 o'clock. You'll hear the takeover of, of course, uh, the South Carolina High School Blitz Show. That'll be, of course, with myself, Brandon Bisco being in, Eugene Benton, guys. You get the trifecta. Until then, God bless. Take care. We'll talk it tomorrow night, 6 o'clock. Thank <laughs> you.